Hey, Chad Brown here. You may remember me as a linebacker in the NFL or as a reptile breeder and the owner of Pro Exotics. I've been herping since I was a boy, and I've dedicated my life to advancing the industry and educating the community about the importance of reptiles. I also love to encourage the joy of breeding and keeping reptiles as a hobbyist, which is why my partner Robin and Markland and I create the Reptile Report. The Reptile Report is our online news aggregation site bringing you the most up-to-date discussions from the reptile world. Visit thereptilereport.com every day to stay on top of the latest reptile news and information. We encourage you to visit the site and submit your exciting reptile news, photos, and links so we can feature outstanding breeders and hobbyists just like you. The Reptile Report offers powerful branding and marketing exposure for your business, and the best part is... It's free. If you're a buyer or a breeder, you got to check out the Reptile Report Marketplace. The Marketplace is the reptile world's most complete buying and selling destination full of features to help put you in touch with the perfect deal. Find exactly what you're looking for with our advanced search system. Search by sex, weight, morph, or other keywords and use our buy it now option to buy that animal right now. Go to marketplace.thereptilereport.com and register your account for free. Be sure to link your Marketplace account to your Ship Your Reptiles account to earn free tokens with each shipping label you book. Use the marketplace to sell your animals and supplies and maximize your exposure with a platinum ad. It also gets fed to the Reptile Report and our powerful Marketplace Facebook page. Buying or selling? Use ShipYourReptiles.com to take advantage of our discounted priority overnight shipping rates. ShipYourReptiles.com can also supply you with the materials needed to safely ship your animals successfully. Use ShipYourReptiles.com to take advantage of our discounted priority overnight shipping rates, the materials needed to ship your reptiles successfully, live customer support, and our live, on-time arrival insurance program. We got you covered. Visit thereptilereport.com to learn or share about the animals. Click on the link to the marketplace, find that perfect pet or breeder, then visit shipreptiles.com to ship that animal anywhere in the United States. We are your one-stop shop for everything reptile-related. Um, yeah, but, um, early evening edition. 
<laughs> Whatever. Uh, uh, we're already having technical difficulties. Not with, a, uh, what the hell? Um, hold on. Let me. Uh, I'm talking to uh, to Tim here. Go ahead, Owen. Talk. Uh, what's going on in uh, in the reptile <laughs> world here? <laughs> Uh, what's going on with me is that we had the second clutch of eggs over here at Rogue, which is a high-con tiger crossed with a caramel jag. So they should be interesting looking. I have no idea what they'll look like, but it's cool. And I'm slowly starting to gear up for Carpet Fest. It was one of those things that, like, you and I had talked about. It was, you know, I'll start getting ready really slow, and I'll start figuring stuff out, and like, you know, March and we'll start putting the house together. Yeah, I did nothing. So nothing has been done. Nothing has been altered. And we're about to hit May. So I'm actually starting to uh, get into making the list of the needs to be done. Still nothing hasn't been done, but now we're planning more to get stuff done. So we're talking to people about food, starting to get the house put in order, I realized uh, this weekend that I have no room for people who said they would want to stay unless, you know, Eric and Zach are going to just share a bit. I mean, that would be fine, but also a little awkward at the same time. So we're probably going to run around, and I got air mattresses coming. I got uh, blankets and some of that you guys don't mind laying on the hard floor. But also this weekend I went to White Plains uh, and – talked with everybody there and it seems like everybody's getting pumped for carpet fest mike Curtin was actually wearing his new carpet fest t-shirt which i will remind everybody is still on sale uh apparently a lot of people came out of the woodworks having missed the first run of the t-shirts and were requesting that we reopen the run and normally we would say no to this but you know we love you people so we reopened the booster, so it is open for another 30 days, which means it will actually run out uh, the 17th. So it will run out right before Carpet Fest, which unfortunately means everybody will probably get their T-shirts June 1st. So you will probably get them the day after Carpet Fest or maybe a little bit before. You may not have them for Carpet Fest, but you'll still have them. So if you have not purchased a T-shirt yet, or if you have purchased one and want to go get another one, Please go over and do that because of this new run, we have not reached yet our minimum order. So the T-shirts have not yet been released to be able to be printed. So we have to get the minimum order. Right now we have 11 shirts, and I'm pretty sure the minimum order is 15, but I'll have to check on that. So if you have not got a shirt, go over and buy one. Uh, one thing that we're probably going to do is we're probably going to grab one uh, for the auction. So we're going to take one. We're going to have myself, Eric, and then probably any carpet breeder that comes to Carpet Fest, sign it, and then we're going to auction it off as part of the auction. That's the other thing that we're going to be getting together soon, too, is the auction. If you want to donate an animal, a piece of equipment, something really cool, reptile-related, something really cool, non-reptile-related, to the auction, please contact myself or Eric so that you can get this thing going. Right now, the auction has uh, a baby chondro by Buddy Buscemi. And a voucher for rogue reptiles, animals with 2016 babies, uh, 15 babies and 16 babies, whatever the hell you want to use it for. And uh, possibly a voucher for E.B. Morelia. He's, he's flaking out on me. I, he's not really a true 
uh, trooper like myself to figure that out, but he's not commenting, which means he's left me alone and I can say whatever I want. Anyway, so the other thing would be, uh, so far that's all we have for the auction. More things will be added. Uh, I've just got to get everybody together. I know most people offer vouchers. You can offer animals. You can offer whatever you want. I promise we'll try to get it sold. And again, all the money's going to USR. So far, we've raised 200 and something dollars. I want to say 70, but I'll have to check the numbers from their first run of t-shirts. And we'll probably haven't earned any money for the second run. I just want to make sure those things get printed. So uh, if you have not gotten a t-shirt, go buy one. So, And then, of course, all the money we're going to USR to help fight the lawsuit for the injurious species animals. I'm also tempted to auction Eric. Now, he's been a loyal hobbit, but I feel it's time that he goes out into the world, and I might auction him off, too. Maybe his collection. If you buy him, he might get the collection. So that's like a big thing right there. He should go for thousands of dollars. So that would be fun. Um, other than that, if you want to help out with Carp Professor, you have any questions, Comments, concerns, blah, 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 blah. Uh, let me know. You can contact me either through Facebook or you can go to rogue-reptiles.com and contact me through there. We can figure it out. We'll talk you through. If you need hotels, I can provide you with all the hotels in the area. Um, if you need uh, to know how far, which airport you got to land at, uh, unfortunately, I am like an hour and five minutes away from Philly and an hour and five minutes away from Harrisburg. So those are your two major airports. There's one in the Lehigh Valley, but I don't think it can land big planes. So unless you want to do some swapping, I would suggest just, you know, unfortunately grabbing a car or driving up. Or if we want, you can get in contact with one of the other breeders in the area. Maybe somebody can grab you and haul your butt up here for Carpet Fest. So it should be a good time. And if you are not in Pennsylvania or the surrounding area, there could be a Carpet Fest near you. What? It's going to be a great time, Owen, not just a good time. So you chime in now for that crap. <laughs> well, you were doing um, so well. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. So, so I, I, well. I, auctioned, I added you to the auction block. You missed that? Yeah, I heard what you said. I've been a faithful little hobbit. And all you have. Stuff. It's adorable. <laughs> but, um, so, but it's going to be a great time. And if you are not in the area to come to the Northeast Carpet Fest, Take the time, look around. There are now four carpet fests. So there's one down near Florida, uh, which is the was it the southeast, and then you have the northwest, and you have the southwest. So you got them in all four corners here. So if you're not near one, ours, you can definitely go to another one. So uh, I was talking to a few people I know in Florida, and they didn't even realize that there was one near them. So they got all excited when they found out there was one near them. So uh, do some work. Go on to... Uh, carpetfest.homestead.com. You can check out all this stuff there. And from what I hear, the other carpet fests will be unveiling their t-shirts soon. So, yeah, craziness. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I, I got, we got, we got, uh, we got uh, Tim hooked up. Um, <clears throat> so, awesome. um, yeah, tonight we're doing, we're doing the special time because um, poor Tim, it's, I think it's maybe 11.30 over his place or 11 o'clock yeah. or something like that. Um, I, I just want to give a little introduction here. Um, inland carpet python. So we wanted to do a show on uh, inland carpet pythons, Morelia spelota, a cat's eye, and um, I thought 
who do we know that uh, probably is, you know, you know how I like that passion, Owen. I like the passion. Mm. And mm. I kind of think of a guy that uh, is probably more passionate about a specific group in the carpet complex than Tim is about inlands. Um, I specifically enjoy his uh, pictures that he takes outside of uh, of his his group. Um, I'm pretty sure he's like reigning champ of the inland part of the calendar, like three years running or something like that. So yeah, if you want to see a really cool pick, um, and if you don't have the calendar, well then you lose. But you suck. Um, I mean, then why don't you have the calendar? <laughs> yeah, but uh, if you do, uh, the inland uh, carpet python picture in there is uh, is that close up headshot. I think that is just like an awesome, awesome shot. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know. You can't you can't get any better than that. So um, recently, uh, I'll also say this: is that recently we kind of had a uh, we put together some Facebook groups for the individual uh, carpet python uh, subspecies um, that weren't out there, and in the carpets were one of them. So yes. um, Tim, Tim uh, contributes over on there. I think he's actually might be in charge of it over there. I think we put him in charge. <laughs> yeah, we, we, yeah, we know what's happening. Yeah, if okay. he's not in charge, then he is now. He should be. Um, <laughs> but uh, he's put up some cool articles, uh, some papers. Um, I know when yeah. um, when he was doing research for the uh, for the show tonight, um, uh, he he came up with a cool little thing that he found today uh, on on inland carpets. Um, so it was know, a little odd, really. It was just like What's a that? floating head of an. Well, when he posted up the article, all of a sudden it was just a floating head of an inland with a with a specimen tag on the back of it, and I'm like, "Well, that's a severed head of a snake." All right, well, I'm just going to click this. <laughs> What's going on? So yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> what we're going to do is, um, you know, we our goal is to have Owen hang up the phone today and call and find somebody that has inlands for sale and and buy them. <laughs> That's the goal. So if me, can, me and Tim can do that, then we've succeeded. Right, Alan? All right. Got it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah. so, yeah, we're just going to, we're going to, we're just going to talk about, um, there's not a lot of information out there about them. I think, my, me personally, I think they're probably going to be the pet carpet python uh, when they become more established in the U.S., I don't know how it is uh, across the uh, across the ocean there, but um, I would say that uh, they're pretty calm. Um, they're really uh, resilient when it comes to uh, you know because they live in some uh, some tough conditions where they take can take take the temperature swings and whatnot. Uh, so mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, you know I don't know it's it's kind of like that perfect pet. Um, you know, or somebody that's just getting into carpets, that some of the other ones may get a little, a little finicky, and uh, these ones are rock solid. So uh, yeah, we're gonna walk through uh, how he keeps them, how he breeds them. Well, this is his first breeding season, I believe. Uh, so we're gonna talk a little bit about you know what he's experienced thus far. We'll talk about the uh, the different bloodlines that are available uh, to to us in the states and over there in Europe. Um, we're not as lucky as you guys down there in Australia, um, <laughs> where yeah, no. you, just have, uh, 
you know, probably the coolest carpet morph in, in the world uh, is uh, the Silver Pepper Inland uh, Carpet Python. At least that's my favorite. And um, mm-hmm. I don't know. So that's that's kind of the goal. We're just going to chill out and talk about inland carpets. And uh, that's enough of me rambling. Let's get Tim on here. Let's get this going so this poor guy can go to bed. Let me click uh, <laughs> this on here. It's time for a new computer. This computer is done. <laughs> I can't get it to come up. What the hell? Come on. We're doing so well. Yeah. Let's see. Should click on. Hey, Tim. Is that you? Hello. Yes, that's my mind. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, not bad, Mike. You? <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, you? Good. No, I'm good, Mike. I'm good. I'm good. Awesome. <laughs> Hello, Owen. You all right? <laughs> yep. Yeah, I'm good. I'm definitely good. So uh, let's not waste time for fear of what the computer will do to us. But, uh, <laughs> Tim, uh, why don't you just get started with the, tell us how you got into reptiles. Um, well, as far as I can remember back, I've always been into um, like wildlife and animals and that, but never really um, like dogs and cats and mammals. I've always preferred like birds and spiders and fish and things like that. Um, and I can look, the furthest I can remember back is being in primary school, uh, sorry, infant school, been about six or seven, and someone coming in with a breeding group of corn snacks and literally sat the whole of my year down in assembly and passed these corn snacks all around. And when they got to me and just letting them run through my hands, it, it something clicked. And that hmm. was it. That was that was me for reptiles then. Wow. So I was, uh, yeah, I was kind of looking for reptiles or looking for bits of them, shed skin, whatever. Um, and then sort of growing up, I was probably quite lucky as my parents liked to travel and knew people all the way around the world. I can re- we used to go uh, to Florida. I remember going to um, one of the alligator farms over there and seeing the Burmese pythons and having them wrapped around my neck and indigo snakes. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everywhere I went, I was always pestering my parents to um, take us somewhere where I could see reptiles. And then... Okay. Yeah, and then it hit um, it hit a start, and we went to Australia, and actually went down from Sydney all the way up to Cairns. So that was just a dream come true for me. That's awesome. Wow, you uh, travelled from Sydney. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, no, that was cool. And we knew we actually knew people on the Gold Coast, but they weren't right on the coast. They were just a bit further, sort of in. And I remember waking up one morning. All the parrots screeching and cockatiels everywhere, and looking out, there was kangaroos in neighbours' um, neighbours' gardens, and there was a lace monitor sitting on a fence sunning itself in the morning. I was just sort of, you know, and you sit there and you think, <laughs> oh, that's it, I've died and gone to heaven now. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that was it, and that's been me ever since. Sort of reptiles, and still like fish and keep fish, but reptiles is it for me. Yeah. So, what drew you to Morelia? Right. Um, being into reptiles, I used to keep um, lizards and skinks and little things like that, and always used to go to a pet shop nearby. Mm-hmm. And the bloke who um, run the pet shop used to go to the ham shop, 
and every now and again he'd bring back things and you'd see carpet pythons in there but they were little babies and they're sort of brown and drab and I used to look at them and think oh, they're, they're nice but they're not nothing that I'd really go for and then one one year he brought back well a really big coastal and looking back at what I know now it was it, it was a Brisbane coastal and I remember looking at it and the thing must have been 10 11 foot long with a head bigger than what my hand was and that was it I, I wanted one of them at that point but being what they yeah. were you could you couldn't get hold of them there's still real struggle to get hold of them now. Before I even talked to the bloke, he went to us, oh, that's already gone to someone. And then I saw him a few years later and it had died, so it was a really uh-huh. old animal. But yeah. From that point, that was me with uh, with uh, Morelia and carpet pythons. <laughs> so, so, your first introduction was coastal, and now yeah, you're yeah. an inland freak. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I still so, can't get hold of the Brisbane's yet. I've got to work for yeah. uh, Paul to get some over from Nick. <laughs> yeah. Well, that would yeah, be kind of hard to nice. backwards. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think they're coming yeah, uh, yeah. over there pretty soon. Uh, oh, hopefully. I'll have to get in touch with Paul again. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It is just a shame how they were over here at one point and no one's really paid any attention to them and. I've seen them bred with jags and the sibs and that, and you, you're just looking and think we've just ruined that there, to me anyway, and I'm a purist. <laughs> I'm not a big jag fan. <laughs> Obviously. So uh, what <laughs> What drew you to Inlands? Because that's where you, you're not a big jag fan, so you just went straight for Inlands. What well, kind of drew you into them? Looking around for pure animals and what I, mm. I mean... I used to listen to the um, the Larry and BT shows on um, Bush League, and mm-hmm. listening to Nick on that, listening to like his purist uh, view on it, and where, how he could never be happy about getting pure animals. I thought, if I right. want something, I want something that I'd find in Australia. I don't want something that you can make anywhere with anything. So I thought, right, I'll look around. Obviously, Paul had all his stuff, and I just started looking around, and then all of a sudden, a pair popped up on one of the classifieds over here and they were going to the Kempton show just one of the other shows over here in the UK and I was going to that show so I got in touch with them and said I'm quite interested in these can you give me the background info so give me the background info on them and I was happy with where they were I could trace them back to their breeder and then from that breeder I got in touch with him on Morelia Python's forum and from there we went back again back to um, Frank Schofield. So I thought, right, well, I'm quite happy with them. I know where they are. I know what they are. And they look like the animals that I went for. And they were blue. <laughs> so, yeah, that was it. I couldn't get over the size of them. I, and it, they were tiny. And from there, it was well, it was mayhem. <laughs> I want a bit of a buying spree. Yeah. <laughs> right, well, buying yeah, sprees yeah. are fine. <laughs> yeah, so then from there I got in touch with there's a few other people on some of the forums over here and Andy Lucas was on there. And and Jim Wetherall as well. I don't remember Jim. He was on mm-hmm. there as well. But he was buying caramels and the carpets and all that. 
and he got in touch with me and said that Andy Lucas, a pair of well, the, the female, I believe, come from Paul, and the female traced back to being a half-sibling of the pair I already had. So I got in touch with him and snapped them up as well. Uh, and then started talking about, this was just when I was getting them, it was the first year the Morgland animals were available. So I started talking to Andy about them, and I just got me fired up to get in touch with Brian Holt Morgan, get a pair of the new inlands from him as well. So that was me, cool. uh, nearly where I am. And then a few years after that, Jim got actually got in touch with me and let me know he was looking to get rid of his trio of inlands. So I had them as well because they were just the freakiest looking inlands that I'd seen. He had one male that was just, I looked at it and I thought it, it looked like a zebra crossed with an inland. But uh, no, it was pure. So I thought I've got to have that. Knowing where it had come yeah. from and thinking, right, well, that's come from Paul. Being that weird, I was kind of half hoping that it was a uh, half sibling to the striped inland. Because usually mm. then they've got such a strong pattern, they, something that way it had to be something that I wanted. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's me with uh, my group. <laughs> a, do you keep anything else besides the ones or no? Um, well, the first carpet I actually got was a male Bredels python. I've mm-hmm. still got him, and he was born in December of 7, he was born in. So, what's that put him? That puts him at seven and a half years old. Um, yeah, he was he was really cool. He was. I remember buying him as a little little hatchling, and he was biting the living crap out of everything that went anywhere near him. And yeah, it was cool just looking at her, watching him develop his red colours. And I knew that was something also at that point where I wanted my carpet pythons. Uh, I've also got one female blackhead python. I picked up from a guy over here, Andy. Um, he actually produced another pet, another hat, um, clutch the year after I did. And I don't mm-hmm. know if he got in the round, but it was actually a tiger-striped uh, blackhead, like the ones that Derek produces with the black stripe all the way down the back of it. Oh, wow, they're so, cool. Yeah, they're they are cool. That. Yeah, I think it actually died though, but he he's bred him again this year, so I'm going to be looking for some, another one off of him this year. So that'll be a pair of blackheads. <laughs> um, I used to keep royals, but recently switched them over, traded them out, and uh, picked up a group of hognoses. So I've got some hognose snacks as well. I've got six of them. Oh, okay. Hognoses are awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you never go wrong with a little snacks. And they're still little snakes. They really are. Also, try to research everything as well. That what I'm keeping, I'm, I've actually can keep the same sort of wear. So obviously, the colubrid goes down in the winter. The inlands do. The blackheads more than capable of doing it. And obviously, the bredles does it as well. Right. They'll get warm and they get away with that. So I try and keep everything right. the same sort of like keeping in there. That's yeah, awesome. that's that's so difficult because when you want to keep everything, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> I mean, that is the hard part. kind of rule, yeah, it rules me out of IJs and jungles. But uh, if I want yellow, I've got an albino 
I hope not, so <laughs> that's my yellow. Anyway, there you go. Yeah. Cool. All right, well, let's let's get into, uh, <clears throat> let's just talk about some natural history with these guys. I mean, okay. um, uh, I, I guess let's start with, um, uh, I don't even know. Let's start, well, let's start with uh, what's, where are these guys from, you know, just, Kind of, you know, lay down what you know and what you've researched about these guys. Okay. Well, they range from what would be South Australia around the, um, like the mouth opening into the ocean of the Murray River and the Murray River Basin. And that stretches all the way up through Victoria into New South Wales. And then they follow up through into Queensland, kind of sweeping around um, the Lake Eyre. Peninsula and all the rest of where the Lake Eyre is, and they're um, quite closely linked into the red gum trees and the black box trees, the black box uh, gums. So wherever they find a floodplain near a obviously near a river, with these and they're quite big trees. These are some of them are like 20 meters high, and obviously these trees stand out in the what would be the uh, the geography of the place. The birds flock to the trees, so the snakes are drawn to the birds, the mice are drawn to the birds' droppings, and the whole uh, system kicks off then. And the snakes are found within the hollows of these um, the gum trees. They're also found over the, uh, the grassy plains into what would be sort of mountainous areas on rocky outcrops and they actually come out onto the rocky outcrops to uh, bask in the morning, go down to forage during the day and in the evening and when it gets too cold for them they just crawl back up to the rocky outcrops down away from the predators and that's them there. But that literally runs all the way through from South Australia so there's a place called Mildura in, New South, in Victoria that I actually look for for my temperatures when I'm looking at where I want to keep me inland. Uh, so that's all the way down the bottom. They run all the way up to nearly Mount Isa, which is the middle of Queensland. So it's getting quite high. So as they range from the bottom, they're more the bluey, what we see sort of over here and over there, the bluey with the black and quite strong patterns with a little bit of red in. As you go more into New South Wales and then into Queensland, the black starts reducing and the red colour comes through a lot more. So that looks quite nice, but finding you obviously can't find them over here and looking on the Australian forums and Facebook pages, there's not a lot of them around either at the minute. So they're a loss apparently over there. Someone's got to get out and start collecting them. Did, he, did you drop off? Oh, sorry, Mike. No, where did you hear up to? Not you, not you, oh, Eric. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm here. Okay, no, good. I'm, here. Good. Hey, I'm cautious. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> the two weeks in a row. <laughs> yeah, we haven't had we haven't been having the best luck, Tim. <laughs> no. We're a little jittery. But, uh, so. <laughs> no worries. <clears throat> so what do you think they get that red color as you go that way? Um, I guess one of the questions that I had that I was curious on your thoughts on 
you know, at some spots they say they mixed with uh, coastals. Do you, do you find that? Do you yeah. think that's the case? Yeah, in or? Queensland, apparently. Um, allegedly as well, also in New South Wales, I think, they're meant to, at some point, hybridise with diamond, python, diamond pythons. But I've never seen anything like that I can find anywhere in books, in libraries, online, that would actually state that. But you just never know with them. You obviously, you can't get everywhere that these snakes are, and the breeding might not pay off that year, or the babies get eaten. But no, apparently, in Queensland, they do. So. Huh. Okay. But I have not. Um, no. Sorry, sir. I was just going to say, um, we were talking about uh, one of the things I just posted real quick. Uh, you had posted this a while back on the Inland Carpet Python uh, uh, group. The uh, That crazy-looking red, uh, I don't know if it's a morph or... It almost I think reminds it is me of like if, like if a diamond did mix with that, because I don't know if... Usually when you see diamond blood with coastals, they have kind of this, like red kind of tipping thing that goes on and, and this is what I'm kind of yeah. seeing in this picture. It's really kind of cool. Um, have a the Australian forum someone did actually mm-hmm. mix a diamond python with an inland python. My and God. To look at it yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's these things out there. To look at it, you look at it and the one thing quite strongly through from what I've seen is the pattern and the head pattern and Almost the top half of them has got like the neck look to them. It's like that strong black pattern carries through into the crosses. And this looked like a diamond python, but the white rather than the freckled was the inland python pattern. So it was quite cool to look at. But everyone on the forum was asking what it was, and it was me and someone else went, What's an inland python cross with a diamond python? So, right. You can you can see when an inland python crosses with it. That one that you're on about was from the Corey thesis, wasn't it? It's one of yeah, the pictures yeah. in there. Yeah, I believe he done his thesis around um, Victoria, so that was nowhere near the uh, diamond python. So that that is a pure southern form inland carpet. So hopefully that could pop up somewhere in someone's breedings. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> the only That's thing, crazy. every time I look at something like that, I just think, oh, that could pop up somewhere over here. I could, could have a chance at owning that and seeing it in the flesh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I never thought I would own an inland carpet, let alone a, a morph of an inland carpet. So, you know, <laughs> my luck is going yeah. pretty good, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, okay, so... We talked about like where they're from. What kind of what kind of temperatures uh, are these guys um, uh, experiencing, and how does that relate to how you're keeping them? In the wild, they do experience. Obviously, where they're from is a, is a desert, so they experience like really hot temperatures in the summer, ranging. I've noted down here, 42 degrees Celsius, which I figured out to be 108 degrees Fahrenheit. And that was, I've looked at, like I said, Mildora, and that was in the height of their summer, regularly got to that or above. 
And then in the winter, it's dropping down to 15 degrees at night, which is just doesn't high. So it's getting, mm. it's ranging from extremely hot to extremely cold. There isn't, obviously, there isn't a lot of rain there. You get a flood every now and again, but they're really, really tough snakes. Really tough. It gets below freezing it on the, in the nights there during the winter, during the winter, obviously. The, uh, the summer temperatures for night are actually quite high. They're 24 degrees Celsius, which is 75 degrees Fahrenheit. So they're obviously roaming more during the, during the summer at night. Than they are during uh, the winter. The winter, they just become sedentary, find somewhere to hunker down for the winter, and that's them. Something pops in front of them, they might have a meal. Uh, but obviously, that what I try and do for my side, let them, they get warm during the summer. They can get up to 32, 35 degrees Celsius. So they can mm. get pretty warm, and they, they do seem to enjoy it. I mean, whenever I go and see them, they're, they're there looking for food. They're crawling around everywhere. They don't, they don't sit there. And then during the during the winter, they obviously drop down quite low. So I've been trying to breed them for as long as they've been big enough for them to breed. So that is a couple of years now. But they've, they've been getting down during the evenings to, I think the coldest I ever got them was 10 degrees Celsius, which was 50 degrees Fahrenheit, isn't it? So, yeah. And then during the... Yeah, during the day they just come back up to 24, 25, sit under the basking mite and they're fine. So they're pretty good. The only time I've ever had any trouble with it, with them, is the first, the morgline male that I picked up. He actually come with a slight respiratory infection and the stress of bringing him back all the way from Germany and bottom of a couch, obviously, had heat packs and that, but the stress of that actually brought out an RI. So we took him to the vets, got him all checked out, they gave him a lung wash and prescribed Bertrill. Tried all that, nothing worked. And I could see when I was overly giving him Bertrill, it was stressing the animal out. And I was just looking at it thinking, I can't do that anymore. So I got in touch with actually with Jim again. And he suggested using a, a, a nebulizer clean the cage out, soak him, nebulise him every now and again with F10. And after a week of that, it cleared up and he's been good as gold ever since. He's actually one of them. He is my favourite inland. So. Wow. When you say you used a nebulizer, can you uh, go into a little more detail on what you did? Yeah. Uh, like a nebulizer, like the same idea as what you'd get in a hospital for you. So... You'd have one area where the snake is, a pipe coming into that. You can buy the nebulizers, obviously, online, or you can use, like, a steam to get the same sort of uh, reaction. Uh, you have the, the tank where the snake is, pipe leading into that, and then from the other pipe, you'd have somewhere with really hot water or the nebulizer, put water and F10 into that, just a really, really, like, 1% really weak solution and the steam goes into the tank where the snake is. The snake obviously breathes that in and as that's going in, it's clearing the lungs and the F10 is an antibacterial as well. So it's helping all of that. So that was what actually worked for him to clear him up. Wow. Wow. Did you see see an improvement right away or was it a gradual improvement? Um, The first... uh, he was still 
um, wheezing and gasping for air. The second day, it stopped the gasping for air. The way he was clear and feeding again. So he mm-hmm. really did bounce back strong from that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. No, I was. Like I say, he's grown into just a wonderful adult now. Really calm, really... I mean, for, for me, having to literally hold him into his mouth and squeeze something like, well, like last week, he said it was battery acid, putting it into his mouth, and I was expecting all sorts of trouble with him, but no, he's bounced back really, really well. Really well. That's great. I mean, yeah, so. and many, many of the times you hear about it going the other direction, so that's cool. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, Nevertheless, it's something been... I've been thinking about getting, so... <laughs> Uh, the only trouble I've ever had with snakes falling over on me and just dropping dead, I had a caramel mix from Paul that I picked up from Ham. That was feeding mm-hmm. absolutely fine, shed from me, absolutely wonderful. Went up there one morning, it was dead in the tank. Oh. Completely and utterly dead. I looked at yeah. that and just thought, right, well, animals die. That, that's what I've got yeah. to put that down to. Uh, yeah, that's the only I time I've ever had that. trouble with them. I think we forget that sometimes. Like, we think that, uh, I don't They're know. indestructible. At least I can speak for myself, you know. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, sometimes they have problems with their hearts, with their bodies. And yeah. then, you know, uh, <laughs> just yeah. all kinds of crazy things can go wrong. Just it's a living thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, this is it. Yeah. Just got to accept but, it sometimes. Uh, not everyone can live forever and... Nothing is ever going to live forever. No. Give it about 10 years and then we'll be, you know, replacing <laughs> parts and whatnot. <laughs> Maybe 20 years. <laughs> I'll Elvis be happy if I can get him. He'll be replacing parts. So um, I'm curious of your thoughts on... Um, I've kind of researched this a little bit, and uh, I'm I'm curious of what you know about it. These gammon, I think I'm saying that right. Gammon range. Yeah, the gammon ranges. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've looked. So, I have actually. Looked. Have you? Oh, sorry, go on. Okay. Yeah, no, I have I looked into that. Uh, what are your thoughts on them? Inland, Simbricata? I actually what, what think. Person, my personal opinion, I personally think there were a remnant um, population left over from when the carpet python obviously spread all across Australia. I don't, I don't personally believe that they're either an Imbricata or an Inland. I, I think they're a, a genuine hybridisation of them. Personally, oh, wow, I and mean, they, they. They obviously look like inland carpets with the really, yeah, they look like inland carpets. They've got that, that pattern, but apparently they're slightly bigger again. They they average about 2.4 metres, apparently. And they have, rather than the bluey colour to them, they have like a greeny colour to them. Right. Uh, but obviously the um, the DNA doesn't lie, and there is Imbricata in there. Yeah. So... That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. I've I'm only gone from I've only gone from what I've heard from uh Nick and Justin and that on, on the shows they've done. Uh, oh, okay. 
they've obviously had, they've obviously had a look at look at the uh, Gavin Ranges ones. And the strange thing about them is they're not that far away from the like the southerly range of the inland carpet, but they're obviously not getting any any input from them genetically, as that would be wiping out the imbricata. So that's really quite strange. I mean, I, yeah. when I um, was initially searching them, they um, they come from someone over in Australia who used to breed them called Simon Stone. don't know whether you've heard of him. There's Doc Rock as well. Yeah, it's Southern mm-hmm. Star Pythons, wasn't it? Um, okay, yeah. And he got them from someone who collected them from the Flinders range. And when I looked it up on a map, I was looking distance so they must be inland carpets and uh, Simon Stone did used to classify them like inland carpets but obviously the DNA analysis of them and the mitochondrial DNA they they have got imbricata in them so I'm finding hmm. they're a rare remnant, remnant hybridisation uh. yeah, I guess that kind of makes sense which would lead me to my next question do you think that inlands will think that they rank as a full species in your eyes, or, or are they uh, subspecies? That, that kind of tears me into that one. I look at them and listen to what everyone says about them, and uh, when was it? Nick was on a few few months ago, I think he was, saying about the taxonomy on them, and how we're only what, 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 0.1% different from a chimpanzee or something, and the mm. inlands were just slightly short of where they would have cut off for a full species. And for me, at that point, I would have made them a full species. But then you look at where they all go around and then swing around into Queensland. Do do you class them then as the inlands, or do you class them as uh same species as... It's kind of a really... It, it really does take me into that one when I look at it. It, it fries my brain. Uh, I did also hear at one point that they were all they were going to look at doing like population studies of the inlands to actually see whether they varied throughout their range, but I don't think ever, anything ever come of that. So, yeah, hmm. that would be uh, that would be interesting. I wonder if I yeah. wonder if it's uh, sometimes my my thought is well, I think. I think they were, Nick was saying that they were, or, or no, where they cut it off was 5% divergence. And, I think and they were just like short, weren't they? Nine seven or something like yeah. that. Like, you know, yeah, it was yeah. a really like, silly number to cut them off from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then when you look at us, where we're, you know, I don't even know what the number is. I'm assuming it's one, no. whatever it is, 1% or whatever. Yeah. You know, so it doesn't, taxonomy doesn't go across, uh, it's no, not like it doesn't go across the species, does it? Uh, yeah. No. Uh, so, uh, I don't know. I kind of. I, I don't know. The more and more that I, I guess that I, uh, I talk to different people, the more and more I guess I go in the, uh, the lumper camp yeah. <laughs> rather than the splitter yeah. camp. You know. Yeah. Um, but. Well, the one that gets me with the lot with the lumper camp is. What do you then do with diamond pythons? So obviously they hybridise mm. with the coastals, but what do you do with the southerly diamonds? Uh, yeah, true. well, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Do you, do you think that? Well, I, 
Do you think that just because they, from the area that they are in, that's why they develop the way that, you know what I mean? Like, they've, they've only developed... Oh, yeah, yeah. No, totally, totally, yeah. Um, I can remember watching one of Rob Bredel programs where he went, actually went looking for the inland, and he, he dug one out of a tree hollow, uh, and there was one point that really stuck out to me, and he said, the, the people, like the scientists and the taxonomists, say this is no different from a coastal carpet python. But if you took a coastal carpet python and put it into an inland habitat, it'd be dead. It wouldn't be able to handle what an inland carpet does handle. And then in the right. same way, you wouldn't be able to put an inland carpet into a coastal carpet's habitat, naturally, and they struggle. Hmm. Yeah, uh, true. Yeah, it's almost like they they developed what they've developed because of the environment that they're well, in. Well, they are. You know? yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. Right, because diamonds can't take the or do not enjoy the same amounts of temperatures as some of the other ones. So no, no. Mm-hmm. It's all part of the bigger question, so, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I, I wonder too if like uh, one of the things like I think of Erie and Jayas and like yeah. you know I mean it takes thousands of years for a species to diverge you know so is it something that we'll never see in our lifetime but that animal is on a trajectory to become a full species uh, you know what I mean yeah and like yeah. we're like in the middle of it or in the beginning yeah. stages of it I should say uh, I definitely agree with that I mean just touching on something there, the um, the uh, e, the RJs are meant to be the same as Darwin carpets, but the Darwin carpets have been known to get up to ten foot, I believe, the record for one. One out of a, I think it was a tree in Darwin or someone's house, and it had a cat in its belly. And oh my god! Yeah, so that's obviously bigger than what a, any RJ ever gets. So. They, 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 to me, are obviously different from IJs. I mean, the science doesn't lie, but neither does what I'm looking at when I'm looking at what Darwin to a five, six foot IJ. Right. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you, if you, I, I got to be honest, like when I first got into carpets and I would see a Darwin, I would just think, oh, yeah, that kind of just looks like an IJ. But yeah. when you keep both of them, they're very different looking, you know. I mean, they yeah. kind of—I guess they kind of act the same way to the most, to a certain yeah. extent, but they're the same slight variations, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's really kind of yeah. kind of interesting when you keep all yeah. the uh, subspecies, species, carpets, whatever you want to call yeah. them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Okay, you're cool. on, though. So now, how do you? What's your approach to keeping your inlands? What are your, uh, what are your attempts in the cages and things like that? Uh, hemp is pretty sort of standard, I'd say, from what I go by. I am for thirty-two degrees in the in the summer under a hot spot, ambient of maybe twenty-eight. That drops okay. down to maybe. 18, 20 degrees during the night. I let that go as cold as what it will go outside. So they, they have a natural sort of heat up. They get warmer again in the evening, then cool down again, and they seem to handle that perfectly fine. In the winter, I um, I let them 
drop down. <laughs> they do drop down. They get down to, like I said, maybe AM for 12 degrees and actually probably get somewhere near uh, maybe 15. But there's some nights they do drop down to 10 degrees and, like I say, in the, in the morning they're underneath the basking light and that's it, they're there again. Hmm. Uh, yeah. I did try, originally try keeping them in vivariums. Yeah. Um, of plastic, uh, not plastic, um, just normal newspaper in there, rock under the basking light. Uh, I've tried two types of hides as well. I've tried a plastic hide, like the formed plastic hide, and then also made up a wooden hide. And I actually found that they preferred to be in the wooden hide as they did to the plastic hide. So if you used to sit, I used to sit the wooden hide and the plastic hide next to each other, and they were always in the wooden hide. So that was just something that I noticed there as well with that. But I don't know whether that goes back to their natural, like the natural history of them, always being in tree hollows and things like that. So I'm wanting somewhere solid that they can push up against and lock themselves into. Uh, and then as I've gone on and obviously kids have come along and things like that, I've needed more mm-hmm. and more room for other things rather than and I've tried them in tubs as well, in 50 litre tubs, uh, the really useful boxes. I've for the pictures again, exactly, well, exactly the same temperatures, they're on a thermostat and they go up in the day and then come back down during the night. They when basking lights to heat mats, they were heat, heat mats underneath, and they grew up perfectly fine in there. The, in the process at the minute of bringing them back into vives to see whether I can get them to breed. Nice. Uh, okay. Yeah, so oh, I just want to yeah. I want to I want to throw out there real quick, just so everybody knows, when you were talking degrees, I think you said 16 oh, yeah, Celsius. Degrees. That is. Celsius, yeah, that's yeah, Celsius, yeah, no, 99 yeah. degrees, <laughs> Fahrenheit. We've had that before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's roughly about 90 degrees. Show. So. <laughs> it's just the general sort of temperature. I do let them on some days, obviously, when we get a hot summer day, I let them go up hot just so that they've got the fluctuation and just to, I don't know, but it's just for me to remind myself or them to remind themselves that they can actually do it and they can go really hot. And so actually on them hot days, they do seem to actually sit under the heat as well. They don't back away from it to get to a cooler side. They sit and then that evening, actually there's something else that pops up into mind there. On the really hot days, I put up a post earlier this week on the Inland Carpet Group about the um, about the colour change of them. And they seem to get really hot. They seem to... The blue almost fades into like a creamy, whitey colour. And they just... Mm. just well, they, they really scream. Sort of like an IJ would change colour. The inland seem to really affect with the heat. They just... They, uh, yeah, they're a lot, lot brighter. And they get warmer. Cool. That's really cool. So you do you really see that like is it a night and day kind of like as the day oh, progresses, yeah, yeah. the color changes? Okay. Um, to be yeah, well in the morning obviously they're mm-hmm. quite dark, sitting under the heat. Obviously go yeah. to work during the day, come back at night. 
check them, and they're just a you. You could be looking at night. They get so dark at some point, obviously during the winter, that you can you can barely make out the black pattern from what would be their um, their blue pattern to they're literally looking at you. It's like looking at printed newspaper, like black on white. They're they're just so bright. That's crazy. And they're also hungry at that point as well. <laughs> of course, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So now, um, with feeding, are they voracious feeders? Uh, are they are they kind of like you know a little bit of tricky ones? And no, what they're, they're, they are absolutely voracious feeders. Yeah. I've never had a um, uh, like a, a hatchling hatchling fresh out of the egg. Um, inland, but for, I've had them fairly young, and they are just absolutely men- mental. You'd be surprised <laughs> at the size of the food that they can fit down them. Uh, uh, they're absolutely voracious. I've been, I've fed them before, and what mistakes your hand or it thinks your hand looks better than the rare than the rat, and it goes for it. But oh, it's just that little further back. <laughs> so. We're actually been bit by one. I know a few people who, who have, and yeah, they bite and they mean to. If they think you're food, that's it, you're dead. That's funny. Uh, <laughs> so well, obviously, it comes from never, their, their natural. Sorry. I say you. So you've never been on the receiving end of one of your guys. No. Oh, wow. No. Aren't you? Well, like I am. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, putting up a post about getting bit by one of his when he was mm. keeping them. And yeah, he said it, it, that was it. But it was, it's literally going for the food, and it just thinks, "Oh, that looks bigger than that." So I've got. Uh, wow. I've seen pictures. Yeah, I've seen pictures of yearling inlands with, and they're only small snakes at that point. You're looking maybe, maybe finger thick, maybe two fingers thick, and they're they're literally bulging like you'd see them swallow maybe a small rat or something. Well, obviously, you're not a small rat, but like a weanling rat. Mm-hmm. They will they will themselves if they get the chance. That's crazy. Yeah, so um, I feed mine a variety, really. I've got chicks that I mainly use to feed the backhead, so every now and again they get offered the chicks and they mm-hmm. accept that quite readily. Um, I've got mice every now and again, and... They get offered the mice and accept the mice, no problem. And then the rats, that's all. They eat them. I've actually got one female that does actually show a preference for, I think it's large weaning rats. If you offer a smaller rat, she won't accept it. You offer her a mouse, she's got to be really hungry to accept it. Chick every now and again. You wear this, you this certain size rat under an arse, and that's it, she's on it. Uh, hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's just a really weird. I think it's just that one snake and its personality. But yeah, all the others not a problem whatsoever. You can wear anything. You just got to, like I said, hope your hand isn't there. Uh, <laughs> Move quickly. Always feed with yeah. yeah. Always feed with forceps or tongs. <laughs> <laughs> never your hand. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> never handle during after feeding. Yeah. It's, it's okay. So, <laughs> but I. Um, how strong their feeding response is they've got to realise there's food there first, they're, they're very very placid animals you could get them out when they're that hot they they look at you and I don't know whether they can recognise your something or just not smell a rat and 
that's it. They're, they're calm, docile, wrap around you, try and climb up and get up as high as they can, and there's no problem whatsoever. But the minute they smell that rat, that, it's on. <laughs> wow. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. So yeah. how would you compare them? You said you had a bread lie. How would you compare them yep. to the actions and movements of a bread lie? Because I know that they're kind um, of like the same where they can take the temperatures a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Now, they are very similar to the bread lie, but the bread lie is a lot more slow and deliberate. Obviously, where it's a, quite a lot bigger than them. He's very slow and deliberate. The Inlands, uh, they're more inquisitive. The bread lie, he seems to be looking for food all the time, where the Inlands are more... Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, what's this coming along? Look up. They'll have a sniff around. They'll watch you go into the room as well. And uh, yeah, no, they're they're similar in ways, but not in many others. Uh, cool. That's really cool. See, it's kind of he keeps adding more and more that I should probably just get uh, <laughs> at some point. Which is unfortunate. Well, you know, you're just going to end up with the mowing. So I know. I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you went diamonds first, though. I, went, I can't believe you. Well, they were there. The diamonds were there, and they intrigued me. So were the inlands. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's the thing with the inlands, though, isn't it? They, they're they're just not as they're not as round as much, even as diamond pipe, and you're more likely yeah. to see them than you are in inland every now and again. Yeah. yeah. I really think the uh, uh, the breeding potential for inland carpets is going to be uh, oh, yeah. outstanding. I mean, you think yeah. about the again. You know, we said this a lot on the show. Probably sick and tired of hearing me say it, but <laughs> you think of the what's been done with jungle carpets, and then you yeah. think about inland carpets, and you think of the potential to make a blue. Yeah. Blue and silver. Yeah. I, I I really like there's a there's a picture in um the complete carpet python and it's from a breeder in Australia. And uh yeah. I'm gonna tell you what page I know the, <coughs> I know you the one you're on about, about. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I remember that coming up on forums as well and looking at it and page yeah. seventy four. <laughs> yeah. Good lord. <laughs> Steve Staffy, yeah. isn't it, or Staffy? Yeah, looking at that, it just, uh, it just screams. I mean, going back to the uh, the northern range of them, if you, where is it, 74, the one above, the one above it, the uh, uh-huh. I've found one in Longreach. You just look at that uh-huh. and you think, well, you never see a you never see a carpet look like that. They have the faded black and faded red and like, silver blue, and you just think, what would that lead to if you selectively bred that? Yeah. Uh, you're looking more like a bread lie again, aren't you? <laughs> red everywhere. Yeah, yeah, something like that. I would imagine. Yeah. But with uh, the, I, people keep you keep people keep telling me here that they're like bread lie, but with different colors. So, but they are, but, and they're also people who own them a lot more handable. Exactly, but then, like I said, people who own them tell me they are, but they aren't at the same time. Yeah, so, yeah. You know. It's almost um, like. I'm, I'm, trying to think of a it's almost like if you had I don't know just think about I guess the only thing I can equate it to at the moment you could you could say beers you could say cigars 
but I'm going to say coffee. You know, you know, you could yeah. have coffee that's just like coffee's coffee. But if you're really into coffee, you can taste one from one region and it tastes this way. And then you can see these little subtle differences in that. And that's kind of what I equate like keeping carpets. It's like until you have them all, you know, yeah. it's kind of like you see these little, little differences, whether it's in a look or it's in a behavior or it's in, you know, some kind of quirky thing that they do or, you know, it's just little, little things. Like I noticed like IJs, um, mm. they have like really, really big heads compared to their bodies. Yeah. They have like this bulldog head, you know, um, like an adult IJ. Um, and, you know, most like inlands and, and whatnot that I have, they're still young, so I don't really know. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> it's like the head on the inlands is, is very flat as well, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems very, very yeah. flat. I mean, the the head of the bread lie, like you say, it's like, it's like a bulldog, like yeah, yeah. muscles at the back of their head, and they they look like they mean business. Yeah, they do. And as well, looking at an inland. It, it also seems quite more pronounced than anything else on them. It's their eyes for me, though. Just looking at their eyes and just looking at them, it's, it just does me. It draws, draws me in even further. Yeah, I think the coolest shot is that one. It's actually on the group page. If you look at the top, that's the one that's in the calendar, but that's the one yeah. that's built in. It's like that. Yeah. It's just like, wow. <laughs> that's impressive. <Yeah. laughs> you know? So. Yes, it's uh, it's really cool. So in the coming years, when people have, I mean, because really it's in the infancy of working with them in captivity. If you think about oh, it. Yeah. I mean, I know they've been around for a while, but you know, people they've never are been bred selectively. Really I don't think. Breed. No, yeah. no, you know. I mean, there's one that Justin had up for sale last year. I think there was from his Morgan ones, and it looked completely oh. different from all the others. It was faded out on that stripe that runs down the side of them. Uh, you look at that, and I was, I was looking and thinking, well, if I was in America, I'd be, I'd be getting that. And I think he actually managed to keep hold of it. No one actually wanted it. So I think it's having the sight to look for what you want to, what you can mm-hmm. see and what you can turn it into as well. Or you're looking yeah. to see whether, right, right, and breed that, get the, get the numbers and move on to the next one, tick that off my list. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Um... I don't know. That, that I think there's just a lot of potential there. It's just uh, mm. really, uh, really cool. But um, let's yeah. talk. Let's talk about breeding. Um, I, I know. Uh, are you having success this year? Do you feel like you're going to have a, a clutch? What What are your experiences um, thus far with trying to breed them? Well, trying to breed them, I haven't had any success whatsoever so far. I think looking back at me notes, I've been trying since 2012, which is when mm-hmm. I the earliest pair that I had were all nines. So I thought 2012, they're two and a half years old. Everyone says they breed like normal carpets. There wasn't a lot of info out there at that point, so I thought, right, let's give it a go. I threw me winter temperatures. Me, I actually went through a, a um, photo period as well, and went from 14 hours of daylight down to eight hours of daylight and I didn't get anything that yeah I don't even think uh no uh, they literally they curled up at one point so I've got everything written down on calendars (laughs) 
they they literally cuddled up. Um, one thing I have noticed about them is their shedding cycles when they're in their breeding and winter periods all seem to revolve around full moons. Like they within a few days of being around a full moon, they'll they'll shed. Mm. Uh, really? One weird thing. <laughs> yeah, Eric's uh, moon charts. <laughs> all right. Well, I remember when back on. Tim, you should tell us what you do on, from uh, listening to the show in the previous. But um, I had said that so I noticed something similar to that. No one always yeah. bust my bust my stones for that. I have to, it's, you know. He, I can't let him get too far out there. I mean, you know. <laughs> well, I can always remember back when Larry and BT were uh, doing their shots, and they had Eugene Bissett on one of their shots with it. And they were, I think they were in one year of breeding, and he said he was looking ahead for the next three years of breeding, all yeah. off the moon charts. And he yeah. literally yeah. ran through all his colubrids and all his pythons all off the moon charts. And like that, that struck me as well, being obviously young and impressionable at that point, wanting to talk up all I can about them. And I thought, right, I'm going to mark down what happens and when it happens and when the, what phase the moon is at that point as well. So, yeah. 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 So, I um, heard that same show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's weird listening back. I obviously go back as well and listen to them, and you get bits of information out of them as well. So, mm-hmm. so they were killed, cool, they were. Um, yeah. yeah. So that was 2012. 2013, more or less the same thing happened. Didn't get anything out of them. 2014, actually started noticing swellings in the females, so obviously follicles developing. Wow. I've got to be getting something here. So you can mm-hmm. literally see them. They haven't eaten. They actually stop eating the females when they get to the right size. They stop eating when the night temperatures start dropping below a certain top. I think it's actually around about 20 degrees. I haven't actually got that sort of down to where I've not. It's like the autumn dropping that, and then the females just peter off and then just stop. So around about right. October the 1st, mine stopped feeding. The males kept feeding for a bit. So, But once the female stops, I'd let them clear out and then just drop them down into a lower rack at that point, drop them down to the floor and let them sit there. Uh, I noticed the swelling of the follicles was around mid-January. So at that point, I thought, right, I want to try seeing whether they actually want to eat anything. offered them a small weaning rats so a really small meal and they accepted that and they were accepting that uh, fortnightly they were that was all through january so that was two meals i had in january didn't see anything through february um put the males in with them didn't notice anything the males will just go on to, into, into the females curl up and they'll curl up together and, and they'll move with the females through the warm and through the cold and just follow them um March, I noticed they started moving around. Females at that point were still obviously swollen up as well. And I'm thinking at this point, yeah, that's it. I've, I've cracked it there. Um, I added newspaper in for the females and they started digging around through that and what I thought was nesting. Get to May and the females shed and they want food and they're thin right back down and nothing. Uh, I've, I just can't manage to get them to ovulate. Uh, and more or less the same thing again this year. 
we went through the same sort of cycle. I, in, I tried this year introducing some males and taking them out, swapping them, and that didn't seem to work. The females swelled up. After a really big swelling, I did put pictures up on Facebook, I think I did, of one that she was literally that far swollen apart. I thought, I've got to be ovulation. It's, you can see the skin between the scales. You can see the formation of the scales. I thought, it's got to be. Pops her back in there. She had a shed, I think, two weeks after that. Had a shed cycle. I thought, right, it's a pre-lay shed. Nothing. She, she went back down. Absolutely nothing. Ah. Ah. I have got... Yeah, yeah, it's really, really weird. But then the um, the gland female, I've tried her this year as well. She swelled up. She was she was flipping on her back as well. And I'm thinking, right, this is it. She's inverted. She's, she's actually going to go for me. And she had a shed and then swelled right back down. But the weird thing about her, I kept the mailing with her because I've got more to the thinking this year. I'm just going to leave them in there rather than take the males out. Leave the males in there. Let them cohabitate. Like I said, I'm moving them all back to Vivs anyway this year. So I'm going to let them cohabitate and then see what actually happens with eggs. If I do mm-hmm. actually manage to get anything, take note of what everything that occurs and I can move on from there. But, um, yeah, the morgue female this year, she uh, come back down from her swell, had a shed, was eating, kept the male in there, went up there, um, what's it? Have a quick look through. I believe it was February, uh, in March, sorry. Yeah, March. We went back up there in March and they were locked mm-hmm. up. And I'd literally wow. gone through, not seeing any locks or anything, thinking, right, well, she's gone back down. The male's not going to be interested to her locking up with the male. And going by the calendar, she locked up on a Thursday. They were locked up again the following Saturday, so that's a day in between they were locked again. I've noticed another lock with another with another pair was on the following Tuesday, and then the following Saturday again, the morgue pair were locked up yet again. So, and still nothing when it came to eggs? The, the one pair that I saw, the separate pair that I saw locked up, the female mm. has swollen up again, and she actually looks like she's coming back down again. But it's going to count her as if she if she goes, she goes. If she doesn't, I'm not expecting, so I'm not building my hopes up with it. But I'd just be happy just to get one on inland. So that'll yeah, be I'm... my keeping complete then. So. Wow. I wonder. Yeah, um, you know. Uh... Tim, one of the things that uh, I've had success with is um, when I see that the female, um, like when I warm them back up, um, yeah. offering them a small meal, like when I see that swelling. Um, yeah, I do try that. It. and Yeah, see, yep. the ones that I've tried with that don't want to take. It's really, really like, weird with them. I'm just wondering whether I'm getting in the way too much with it. Me taking all these knots and looking in on them, whether that's just putting them off. So, yeah, yeah, that's half, mm. half my fault with putting them back to Viv. So I don't have to touch them. I can look through the glass at them, and that's that's it. I'm not interfering with them. Well, 
yeah, they are, and then some some people just breed them straight away, no problem. So. And doesn't that piss you <laughs> off? Yeah. <laughs> What you really want to go just will not go for you. Speaking as a person who just can't get a certain type of Morelia to freaking (laughs) make babies, I can tell you how frustrating that could be. But, of course, there's another person, a very good friend of yours, who's, like, skipping around his room (laughs) breeding everything under the sun, you know. I do look at him. I'm looking at everyone popping out clutches now, and I'm thinking... Why won't God I just do that? Just, come on, just do it. Just, just give me one. <laughs> yeah. I'll be happy with one. I'll be so happy with one. Yeah. Uh, oh, that sucks. Yeah. But it just keep, it keeps me going. You know? I just got to keep going at it. That's it. Don't See, be stubborn. The problem yeah, is, I think... is that in like two seasons, they're like all going to drop and you're going to be like, what the oh, hell? Oh, you know it, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll be having a sale yeah. for them. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, that's what's kind of happening to me this year. I mean, last year, and even the year before that, I was kind of like, oh man, can I, I, you know, I have this nice collection. I have a podcast you, about carpet python. You were so depressed. You got that one. You got that one clutch of one egg, and I'm like, wow. And you're like, I. Have you ever heard of that? I'm like, no. Terrible. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> one egg. Holy one egg. God. What the hell is that? I'm like, one I don't egg. know. So, yeah. But if you keep at it, eventually the stars yeah. align, especially if you have a star chart, everything is great. So, <laughs> what do you figure everything what out. Do you guys, what do you guys think about um, one of the things that I had jotted down, uh, Tim, in the outline was. Uh, you know, I hear when I listen to uh, Royal Python breeders, uh, especially from listening back to some episodes of Reptile Radio and whatnot, what I used to hear them talk about is the introduction of a male, not necessarily to, um, you know, for breeding purposes, but to sort of kick that female into yeah. knowing that there's a male there, um, therefore stimulating the follicular growth. Um, yeah, you know what do you what do you guys thoughts on that? Well, I did try that kind of this year with the um, with introducing them and taking them out and putting them in, but from what I noticed, the well, I didn't notice any difference. The the females that didn't have males there swelled swelled up at the same time, more or less within a couple of weeks of the females that were being introduced, but the females that I didn't introduce and then just put the males in bred whereas the ones that I've kept the males in a slightly longer so I've done like a two day introduction two day off two day on two day off and then others I've done two weeks in a week off they the ones that were in for two weeks didn't seem to breed whereas the ones that I introduced for a couple of days took them back out did breed I witnessed locks with it so it was yeah I don't know what to make of that. Hmm. I I no. would go by the means of there are 10 million ways to skin the cat in breeding. Yeah. So maybe some females need the male in and out, in and out, in and out. I've had that where I've had some females that the male's in, he's in for like a week. During that week, it's nothing but locks. After that week, she wants him out of there. And then he's gone, and then she never wants to see him again, and she goes through her whole 
you know, ovulation, the, 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 the delay, and all that other fun stuff. And I've had some females who will ignore the male for almost two months. Then I pull him out. Then I feed him and feed her, put them back in, and then they're at each other. They're, they're breeding. So mm. I also have some females that – I've, and it's the same thing with males. Some males don't pay any attention to the girls unless there's combat, unless there's a, another rival male around, unless he's eating, unless he's doing something else. You know, it's yeah. it's funny. And I also have some females that don't know when it's breeding season. Um, <laughs> I was breeding – I'm trying to breed my brettles right now. And my one female brettle will not turn off the food response to the point where – I was feeding an animal in a cage next to them, and she bit the male on the side and wrapped him up. And I'm like, what the hell is this? So, yeah, I had to pry. Now, she is she's the one who bit me during, incubate, during hibernation. She's the one who's attempted to bite me every time I go in that cage. I, I think she's <laughs> just that freaking hungry. So I had to feed You her should be feeding her the old rock-style way. Uh, I mean, oh, dear Lord, yes. So it's like I... <laughs> I, f- I fed her, and now she's settling in. She had, like, two jumbo rats, like, over two weeks. Yeah. And now she's settled, and now she's actually breeding with the male. So it's like, really? Yeah. You were that hungry that you had to kill everything in sight, you know? So yeah, but, That is one yeah. thing I've heard about the Breddles as well. They're, they're, they're meant to obviously feed, have a shed, and then go back in. So that food in them makes them want to breed. I guess. So, which is yeah, weird, that's what I mean. Not like, act like this. She didn't act like this last year. So with them being spring breeders, um, I think one of the triggers with them is when they're. And again, I'm only ex- talking not from experience, but just from uh, you know thinking out loud. Talking from an academic uh, standpoint. So. Well, I'm just listening to all the different people that we've talked to, and you, yeah, and exactly. And whatnot, but um, I, my thought would be that. You're feeding that animal uh, when it comes out of that hibernation or cool down or whatever. You know, I know they go cooler and they're kind of, they're not really doing anything until springtime. So when they come out and it's springtime, maybe they're, uh, they need that trigger to know, okay, well, there's food around. Everything is good. Life is good. Uh, Let's get this part. Time to make babies. Yeah. So. And I and I would agree to that. And I did feed everybody. The problem is that, and everything went exactly as I expected. The two female brettles ate, and then the male brettle was like, "Nope, I got other stuff I got to deal with." So he was like, <laughs> "Did not eat." So that's per- exactly where I wanted him to be. But the other female went straight to breeding, where this one was just not satisfied. She was, I guess, she wasn't either. She wasn't done eating. She wanted to get some more in her. She did have babies last year, but she was just, you know, to the wall crazy. So she's finally settled down. So I don't know. I guess just maybe next year I'll just, like, throw her a rabbit and be like, there, eat that. (laughs) You're done. She won't want it next year. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't want it. Exactly. It's a constantly changing piece of crap here. So. And it's really funny because I just had a tiger female lay eggs, and I brought her up, and she had no interest in the male, fed them, and then they started breeding. Then they kept breeding, kept breeding, and then I offered her some food. She kept eating. She ate three times during being gravid and all this stuff, and she dropped her eggs, and she really didn't lose that much weight. <laughs> I mean, she, she ate, I think, a week before she ended up dropping the eggs. 
So it's like merit. So they do what they whatever. want to do, don't they? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, they're yeah. hungry. They're hungry. So yeah. it's really, you know, I'm kind of getting into the more and more. There's no set way guideline to breed your yeah. animals. Is you've got to try and get a feel for them and see what they want that year. Exactly. You got to find what works for that one, and then when that one breeds, yeah. don't mess with it. <laughs> That's what works. Yeah. Cool. So. What, yeah. I, what I've been noticing is, well, I do have some females that are that are just being a pain in the ass, but for the most <laughs> part, what you know, like Nothing I had just... a zebra head. Granted, I can't, I can't get her to breed. I just, I can't get her to lock up. I can't. I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> you know. Um, anyway, I, you just. Uh, um, I think that uh, once the snakes in your collection kind of get used to what you're doing and dialed in. I think Ryan yeah. Young said something along those lines. Once you have them dialed in, you know, it may take a year. With some, it may take two years. With some, it may take five years. But eventually, once they get the hang of it, and you're pretty, um, you know, you're, uh, oh, man, I'm losing my train of thought. You're consistent <laughs> with, um, you know, what you're doing. You know, I think that maybe then, You'll you'll start to see, you know, yeah. them come in line slowly but surely. At least that's my see, Well, I want to say that happens with certain species, and it happens doesn't happen with others. Like, remember we talked to uh, Brian Young, Brian, about breeding his black-faced white lips, and it was he kept doing the same thing year after year after year, and all of a sudden the females became in sync with what he was doing, yeah. and then it proved out, and then it paid off, and he got the eggs. It's almost like I can keep trying the yeah. same thing over and over and over again. Some animals, it's going to take years to get in sync. Other animals will probably even never get in sync with what I'm doing. So either I can keep trying the same thing, hoping they're going to get into sync, or after maybe a season or two, change it up. So well, yeah, I, I'm not saying that you shouldn't respond to what the scene, you know. I mean, you, yeah. can, you can kind of gauge what, what you think the female I mean, wants I mean, for the male or <laughs> Right. I mean, you and I talked this weekend, and I said uh, with the IJ pair, because I'm pretty sure I failed again, that um, I'm like, I'm sending the female to Jason Balin, sending the male to you. So this way, if the female lays and gets eggs, it was the male. The male lays and gets eggs, it was the female. If it was if both have eggs, it was me. So it's like, yeah, this way I will know where the problem is. I have a feeling it's going to be me. But... You know what? Well, this is the other problem with things like that, though, isn't it? You sometimes get the the, the animals that don't actually want to breed with each other. Exactly. Uh, and it's like, I only have one pair of you. Yeah. <laughs> it's not yeah. like with other animals. Like, I have I have tons of coastals. I have multiple coastals. If this animal doesn't want to breed with this one, I'll find one that can want to breed with. Yeah. Uh, that that happened yeah. this year with one of my with one of my jags. That female was with two coastal males, and they're like, no, no, nope, nope, that didn't want her. What ended up getting her was the zebra jag. He was all over her. So I'm like, all right, eventually I'll find something here that wants to breed with you. I don't know if you're yeah. the ugliest carpet python on the planet to them, but whatever. So <laughs> the way it goes. Yeah. Got to be fluid, which is why I always <laughs> make fun of Eric because he's got that you know plan chart book thingy, and you know if stuff go, starts going awry, does he start ripping pages out the book? I mean, like you know. <laughs> 
No, I I, I adapt to uh, well. Fluid. I guess I'm a little bit different is as far as I have specific pairings in mind because I, I you know I, yeah. I just want that pairing to work. Yeah. And if well, obviously you will have happen, different pairings. Then, you know, obviously you have the pairing you're shooting know. for, but every once in a while you got to throw in an audible. So obviously you pick the male that is best suited for what you what you can get, right? Yeah, what I'm saying is, it's like, okay, so the the zebra head granite probably isn't going to go, and she's going. She was with a granite jag, you know. Um, I'm not going to just throw another jag to her just to get zebra jags that are possible head granite. I'm just not going to breed her, you know. Yeah. Because that's that's the male that she's kind of geared towards, you know. I don't know. That's, but that's how I I do things. You know, and I might have, you know, I find that with subspecies. I, I may have another, uh, another like with striped jungles, you know. I have different ideas. I did that with inlets, you know. I got a a pair of of each of the different bloodlines, and then I got an extra male just in case. You know? So, <clears throat> speaking of bloodlines, Maybe you could talk to us a little bit about some of the, well, there's only two that I know of. Is that the case? And then I know there's another one that Justin um, at Australian Addiction works with yeah. um, that is just a lone male. Uh, Single male, yeah, from what I understand. Yeah. Tell us what you know. Um, uh, I'll start with that lone male. As far as I understand, when Justin is that line from the UK, from what I understand from what he told me, um, and that was literally a single male that was unrelated to the Schofield-Harris line, and he got a pair from the Schofield-Harris line as well. Uh, but for, as far as I'm aware with his breeding, he's always done that unrelated male to a Harris line female. Uh, and then you've got the Morg line as well. Is what it is, I think they were... 2009, I think they were first produced to be put out, and they are totally, totally unrelated. I tried to get out from him. Obviously, I tried my best to get where we got them from. We weren't having any of that, and all I kept getting was now they're completely separate and completely different. So, um, yeah, the uh, well, the Morg line was obviously produced by him. The founding animals were two males and one female, so they're fairly like closely related, all of them. It's just depending on which year you he got you got the animals from as to what year the males bred and there's no way of checking them. Uh they are typically bigger than the other line. Uh only slightly bigger but they, they do a slightly longer length rather than being a standard to be about five and a half to six foot for a female uh, Harris line one. You're looking at me possibly just touching on the seven foot for a morgue line female. Um, thicker, obviously, being that they're slightly longer. And their pattern to me is completely different from... Uh, Scofield Harris line inland, being that the it seems a lot more pronounced on the black. It's, it's more blocky, if you get what I mean. The head pattern is more defined, declined, yeah. and then the, the 
the black ladder pattern that runs along the back of them is more like bolder and then you get I don't know if you saw one of the pictures I actually put up on the Facebook group of one of the stripes that ran right down the side of my um, male morgue line and that stripe is quite thick and bald again but that's considered from the morgue line but if you look uh, I think the there is a picture I think Nick's got the picture of the founding three animals and there's also one on Morg's site the, of the three founding animals. Actually, they, the three founding animals are actually up for sale at the minute. I'm sorely tempted to get. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they all have the same sort of general pattern. That, that stripe that runs down the side of them is bald on all three of them. So that obviously will run through into the uh, their offspring. Um, and the Harris, the Harris Schofield line, from what I can figure out and read up with, uh, they're roughly from about 1999, first ones that they started appearing. Um, I'd like to think that they are actually from getting where everything gets its way over here, that they're actually from, like, Island being that there wasn't a lot of inland being uh, kept over there, like widely kept. The main inlands in Australia were the Simon Stone ones, which were a South Australian locality. So, being all things that they are, I would like to kind of hope, but you never know for sure anyway, that that was that bloodline. But um, they're slightly smaller. The, the males on the Schofield Harris line and probably average out at about four and a half foot and are about as thick as maybe three fingers thick. They're not they're not big animals at all. At all. Really? They will eat yeah, they will eat big meals but they are not big animals. And I've actually got one of the females, the actual original pair that I bought, the female is now six years old, I think she is. And looking at her next to what I know is a non-female Schofield line, I actually think she's mixed-sexed. Mixed I actually think it's a male. I've got to probe it up to double-check and find out. But the size difference is just completely different. When I've got another two, I've got two non-female um, Schofield Harris line and the male, the female Morg line. She's just that much smaller than them, and she. She obviously didn't do anything this year, but she didn't swell up. She didn't do anything. And I had her out with a few of the males earlier on in the uh, week. And looking next to her, she looks like the size for a male inland. So I'm going to have to probe her up, and maybe that's where I'm going wrong with some of them. But, uh, yeah. yeah, they look like that. The females of the Schofield Harris line are probably five and a half, maybe six foot. One of them that has just really put on a lot of bulk. I mean, she hasn't been fed big meals. The biggest meal she's ever had is a small rat, but she's literally put on the bulk and the size. Everything's gone to her. So I'm going to put her down this year and see whether she will actually thin down. But at a minute, she just just doesn't want to. Uh, Yeah. yeah, and they are more, they're the um, stereotypical bluey-grey. 
Uh, they've got the flashes of red through them. Some of them have got quite a lot of actual red through them. The three that I've got off of Jim, all three of them actually have the red coming through on the saddles of them. And on the head, there's like flashes of red. And when you actually get down to what's, what colour sort of, you get a group of scales and look at the colour of them. There's just so many colours that actually come through there. Uh, yeah. And obviously, um, cool. if I was, yeah, if I was picking one to breed and say maybe it was you, Owen, if I was mm-hmm. picking a certain line to breed, I'd personally <laughs> pick the Morg line, being proof that they, uh, they're breeding a lot more readily than the Schofield Harris line. Ah, not, okay. Not as, they're not as inbred as what the other line would be, being that that was a single line, that that was all there was, and they were just bred for that. Okay. The line is obviously the newer line, and they'd be the ones that I'd be picking to breed. I certainly see more readily wanting to breed. Okay, so I'll have to go get that. Eric, you have both lines, correct? Yes. Yeah, I have. I have. We all knew uh, that answer. Before. We only would answer that question before <laughs> I asked it. I mean, you know. That was well, one, Eric could be the ideal one to tell, wouldn't he? Which one would breed yeah, better? Yeah. Are yeah. they both the same sort of edge, Eric? What's or that? Your pair, your, your pair of Schofield Harris. Yeah. Yes, I have. Um, I, I can tell. Uh, I can see a difference with them. I think I would probably agree with you that I like the uh, the mold line better. <clears throat> um, I do have a male that's from Justin's uh, clutch uh, from the unrelated, yeah. uh, unrelated to the, uh, the the Schofield line, um, the unrelated male, right? It's unrelated male. Yeah. 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 See that male as well from the pictures that I've seen doesn't look that different from the Schofield Harris line males. It's right. got the same sort of look to it and everything else. And actually, when Justin did come out with it, I did get in touch with him and say, are you sure that's a different line? And but he was 100% <laughs> happy that it, it was a separate line. Uh, right. Whether it's one that's been, whether it's one that's been over here and it's just been kept quiet and they've died out and that was the last mail. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. I don't know. I, mine are mine are nowhere near ready to breed. Mine are still small. So. No, but are, are they the same sort of age? Or were they from the same sort of year? Or what's that? I think broke up. Are they the I'm same sorry. age? The, um, they all do the same yeah. age. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Keep, uh, so that would be that would be one way to tell which one will breed more readily. And if Eric gets a cut oh, out yeah. of the more line first, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, my guess would be that the morgue line would breed quicker and faster from yeah. from everything that we've seen with it. I mean, I've, I've been trying to keep up. Has anyone actually, other than Kerry King um, and Todd, actually bred the Scofield Harris line over in the US? Yeah, they're the only ones that I've seen breed them. Uh, uh, no, I, I think you're no? correct. Uh, no, yeah. no, no, I think I'm not sure if Nick bred them because actually, 
Oh, I Mug? got my group from Paul. So okay. I know. Of, my, I know. Of Kerry King. Kerry. Kerry King obviously bred them. Mm-hmm. He had from everything that I could sort of find as well, listening to what I listened to, he got Anthony Caponetto brought in a group of them. Kerry got some from that group. One of right. Anthony's, one of his died, and they had an agreement that if anything like that happened, that single animal would go to whoever had the bigger group. Kerry ended up with them, and I think he's bred them twice now. Wow. And I haven't seen anyone else in the US say that that is the Schofield Harris line. I've always seen the Morgue line ones. Yeah, I think was, you're right. it's, it's hmm. just one of those. It's just one of those things that I look for, and I've never seen it. Uh, yeah, unless there's people like hiding out that are keeping it under yeah. wraps. I, I, I would. Yeah. Uh, I would agree. But I mean, the one thing that I have noticed with the Inlands is the people who tend to keep them tend to they tend to be more of an old school sort of group of people who keep them. They're not. They're not out there shouting what. Putting them up on the classifieds, they're not throwing them all over Facebook if they've got Facebook, and right. they they're just there, and people hear about them through the grapevine, and they're there. I mean, um, there's someone that I'm speaking to at the minute, uh, Stuart Robson. He he he's friends with Paul. He's got a pair of rough scales, and Ooh. he got in touch with me about yeah. Well, he said they're up to um, he might properly get them at breeding sites next year, so. That might be something else for me. Um, but he, he <laughs> friends with Paul. He's gone through a few things. Um, and the original block I got him from, Andy Lucas, actually has a pair of Morglan that he's bred not, I think they're 2013, so they're nearly, what's that, a year and a half old. But I've never heard of anyone else other than, I think Paul's probably got some Morglan. I've obviously got a pair. Anyone else, I've always heard in the state side that's had uh, more blind animals. I've never heard of anyone over here with them, but they're obviously here as people are breeding them. Stuart sent me pictures of the ones that he's picked up and looked at them and said, yeah, they're, they're more blind animals. They're vastly different from what a Schofield Harris line would be. So, hmm. there is there is always that possibility. Do people just have them and they don't want to show them off? They just want to keep them for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I don't know. Yeah, that's you know they're also uh, it could be that they're a hard animal to photograph. Um, yeah. Yeah. Very. The easiest you know, way is so, just take them outside, let the sun hit them, and snap away. Yeah. I've seen. I've <laughs> you hope seen your neighbors understand about the giant snake. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think the neighbors are more concerned about my kids. Mm. So what the one good thing that I enjoy about the inland, I do not have any worries with them with any of my kids. I've got a four year old, a two year old, and then two older ones. The two older ones aren't really in fungus ones. I, I can't get away from them when I've got the snacks. They're they're just there and <laughs> like I said I haven't got any worries. They'll sit there, they'll pick them up, chuck them around the neck. You can they grab their heads, they've been you say I'll probably end up with a knock on the door, but they've had tails trodden on, not heavily, but right. they've stood on their yeah, tails. And I'm still, thinking, right, any yeah. of the snakes, yeah. yeah, any of the snakes going to at least turn around and look at them, and they've kind of just carried on what they're doing, and oh, yeah, it's 
just one of them standing on, I'll just get on with it and move out of the way. There's nothing, never been an ounce of aggression out of them with them. So, hmm. Yeah, awesome. I, I, they're very chill snakes. Yeah. I was just going to say yeah. the uh, you might like you might appreciate this, Tim, but the mail that I got from Paul is from his striped inlet. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I might have to have a look at Eric on on, on the line and uh, see whether I can see any similarities with the uh, the tree of that I picked up from uh, Jim. One thing I did notice about that clutch that Paul had described was the, um, the nails or scales and the scales that run atop on the snout. They seem different uh, from the other sort of. He had two breedings that year, I think, and the nasal scales were what, from what I could see, could t- set them apart. So, yeah, yeah, that yeah, might be. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to have a look at that later on. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. I'll take a picture. I'll yeah. send them over to you. See if you can. Uh, oh, thank you, Mike. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. but uh, cool. Um, so yeah, there's the. Uh, I guess there's the two. Blo- I, I hope. I can only hope. One day, maybe yeah. Australia yeah. lifts their. Uh, you know, crazy. Uh, Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> Export. Well, did you uh, see that um, with Gavin Bedford, read the Owen Pe- yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. we and saw. There was something <laughs> that was mentioned in one of the news articles that he was that um, they were trying to look into the export of them to maintain them. So that immediately sounded to me like, oh well, if they, if they want to export Owen Pellies to get them even in the zoos over in well over here or over there, the minute they're in zoos over sort of this where, you can then breed them, and if someone knows someone, and that and that'll be it, they're in the reptile trade. So, yeah. but I'm thinking, well, if they want to do that with Owen Pellies, obviously normal carpets, it might be. Hopefully, they might actually. Let start letting animals out, and I mean, you can understand them not wanting to let animals in, but let animals out. There's no reason not to. Yeah, yeah. I mm. mean, if you had, I mean, that's like kind of like a, uh, I don't know. That's kind of like a, a win-win. Like you don't yeah. necessarily have to have. That would be like people in Australia wanting corn snakes. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. Got, or ball pythons. Really, I have like twelve of those. Yeah. I just, Send them over to you, you know? It's like 50 yeah. bucks. We'll pay thousands for them. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. Obviously, they've got, the, got the problem in Australia, though, with the with the foreign animals coming in and wiping out their native wildlife. And there was one yeah. on Facebook yeah. doing the rants. Um, that boa constrictor on the Gold Coast that someone had found on one of the main strips in the Gold Coast alerted the police, and the police said, no, nah, it's just a carpet python. Let it go. And it wasn't until later on when it actually got on the news, someone actually got in touch with that constrictor and you've let that go. God, whoops, the animals <laughs> are there. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> there was yeah. all sorts of things going around on them about kids, them eating kids and all sorts. <laughs> uh, about Facebook, I can live vicariously and pretend I'm in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
That's what I do too. Every once in a while, I pretend like I'm catching one of my carpet pythons. The wild. <laughs> it's like such a different world. There's um, you know what else is cool? I don't know if you guys catch this. Um, let me see if I can pull up the guy's name. But what he does is he goes in um, specifically. He seems to like his job is to go around and um, get uh, animals. And um, I stumbled upon him on YouTube. I guess like I. Maybe I searched for carpet pythons or whatever. I'm gonna pull up his uh, so everybody knows. Give him a little plug. I think his wife mm-hmm. had a baby today. Um, oh, figures all the way down to my feet, just like all these guitars. <laughs> That's another thing about uh, the forums, isn't it? You can find everything a lot, lot quicker. Oh yeah. Yep. <laughs> Don't even get me started with that. Owen hates when I talk about You just get so is, mad. Uh, <laughs> his name is, uh, if you go to YouTube, look up Tony Harrison. Um, okay. And, and and what he does is he goes around and he, he just collects carpet pythons from, you know, like people that's in their yard or uh, they found it in their, you know, in their basement or uh, I guess maybe yeah. in their attic or whatever. And you just get to well, see all these cool wild carpet pythons. Yeah. yeah. Pretty yeah. neat. You know, he's in the That's Eric's dream stuff. job. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? It's Eric's dream job, wandering around the bush, grabbing people's <laughs> wayward carpet pythons. I know. Come on, man. How cool is that job? You know, like. That sounds great. Uh, someone tells you it's a carpet python, it actually turns out to be a brown snake. Grab <laughs> <laughs> that carpet. Oh, crap. It's a serious snake. Sorry. And there's that. Sorry. Yeah, it's like, you know. Well, he did he find uh, on the one episode. Obviously, it must have been somebody's pet, but he did find a rough scale. Um, yeah, it was just chilling. And then, and then the one, I, you the know, one that was like, uh, it was Condro. Was uh, Condro was on the guy's air conditioner? Um, you know what I mean? It's crazy. You know, you yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. It's normal day over there, isn't it? It's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. They say you snake. They give the snake catcher a call, and that's it, done. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know, I don't know. I, 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 I think that they would be like. I guess, like I said, I could see them not letting animals in, but to no. not let them out just seems like they're missing a huge opportunity. I yeah. mean, even if they took that money and sunk it back into conservation, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're obviously not going to let it out without putting some sort of tax on it, are they? No, of course even, not. But no, even the first no. couple of years, if they put a horrendous tax on it, people will pay it just to get pure Australian animals. True. Yeah. And the the good thing is that even just normal animals that would just bring new blood yeah. into certain things like bearded dragons and things like that, they would do it yeah. with a lot of the problems they're having. You know, and yeah. I hear that... Um, Pennsylvania is the best habitat for Owen Kelly pythons. Uh, they thrive, <laughs> I'm told, in the same type of conditions that we're used to here in the Keystone State. So um, that's something I think they should consider. You know. I, I've also heard that Imbricata do quite well in Pennsylvania. Stop it with your Imbricata. <laughs> <laughs> your goddamn Imbricata. Uh, it's like my I white whale. I know, and I told you eventually you'll get it, and then you'll be like me, you'll be like, what now? So it's like, um, and, and it's funny because you sit here, and it, you're, it's like, I like to live vicariously through the Australians. I do too. The problem is that when I see, like when we met 
some like we met uh uh Peter Birch and those guys at Tinley and they're like rough scales. I sold my rough scale with a little kink tail for two hundred bucks. I'm like, oh my god, I would do that. I don't care. Yeah, but they look so. Yep. What's that? No, uh-uh. it's, it's 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 fun, but it's torturous at the same time. So. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not. It is fun. I do I do like going to uh Carp the Python World and uh checking things out. And uh it's quite a cool uh Facebook group. Yeah. I don't know. Sam? Well, I lost him. Crap. Thank you, uh-uh. Blog Talk. Yeah. Oh, and we really uh <laughs> I think it's time, my friend. <laughs> now, are we sure? Are we sure that a, a certain person hasn't been sabotaging our blog talk because we said yes or no to something earlier this month or last month? I don't know. No, it says he's still there. No, you just can't hear us. Oh uh, no, no, he dropped. He's gone. See, it, it, I swear we're being sabotaged. There's a small. There's a short list of people you know, I would blame first. Go on. It, it's um. It's really the time that if I had more time, I really would like look into. Uh, oh wait. Building us a studio. We might we might be able to click them back on before it uh, kicks us off. Kills it. Yes. Hello. Tim, you, yeah. Yeah. Hello. Tim, there you are. <laughs> we told okay, you we were having technical difficulties. <laughs> He warned you. (laughs) Especially when you're using Skype, you know? It's like, oh, my goodness. (laughs) And what happens is it usually cuts off right at the, when you hit the two-hour mark, it cuts off. The the person can't call back in because now it's not live anymore. And I hate cutting off the guests before they have a chance to, uh, you know, to say goodbye. Anyway, that whole big speech I was getting at was the Silver Pepper Inlet. But I hope one day, you know... I, you know what? I'll even be nice. I hope that they make it to uh, over across the Atlantic before they make it here in the States because then I know that eventually <laughs> it'll be here in the States. <laughs> this is it. As long as, as long as they make it out of Australia, it doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I hope, but then I you hope never know what hope. could just pop up. So. Yeah, I hope that they would make it out legally, but, you know, yeah. I don't know. What are you going to do? Well, I don't think Darren's actually released any, has he yet? Who? No. I think this is... No. no just not even the Australians have had a chance to play with him yet. No, everybody just has to stare and watch him play with their favorite <laughs> boy. I mean, you know, it's like... It is It is like yeah. one kid on the playground with a ball going like, wee, and everybody else is watching him. It's like, yeah. that's just not cool, dude. So <laughs> He's actually got quite yeah, a few things as well, Darren, hasn't he? Yeah. yeah, yeah, he does. We got to uh, hang out with him in uh, Tinley Park, and uh, yeah, he was he was he was really a cool guy. And uh, yeah. at one point, I know he was. I guess it's probably around that time, but he was. Uh, he's going to come on the show at some point oh, and cool. talk about a few things that he has going on. But uh, but cool. But before we uh, cut off, uh, Owen, why don't you hit uh, hit the uh, 
closing questions. Your favorite part. Your ever of popular show. closing question. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so what we got is uh, where do you see carpet pythons going in the future? Uh, up and up and up. There's only morphs well, out there, and <laughs> well, the more morphs are going to pop through. I would have thought with other things, and people are going to breed things that no one else has ever seen, and reptile keeping in itself is actually becoming more and more widely accepted it's not a freak thing anymore you don't get the looks anymore and you say I've, I've got snakes or I've got lizards there's more and more people who've got them so they, right. I can only I can only see it getting bigger and better people will see these things and as much as we you not so much don't like Facebook but it's taken over other things it gets its carpet pythons out there to the wild world and things like Instagram as well, that, that people just search this little thing and, oh, there's a, there's a carpet python. Well, I've never seen that colour before. I'll click on that. What is it? Have a quick search around on Google and you can find them and let someone else into keeping carpet pythons. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. I, I can only say going up and up. I love that answer. That's a good answer. We never find the guy who says going down. If he does, he's never going to <laughs> Anyway, um... And now, if you could work with any species without restrictions that is legal or financial, what would it be and why? What about marital? <laughs> what? Marital? Uh, what yeah, about no. marital yeah, restrictions? No, yeah, more marital restrictions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. I'd love to keep. I'd love to keep Russell's vipers. Russell's vipers. Oh. Russell's vipers. Wow. I mean, they're obviously they're not. They're not illegal. They're not anything, but they kill me if I've ever got any. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. No, they, they, I look at them and that is, they're just beautiful. They really are. Cool. Yeah. Wow. Every once in a while we get somebody who wants to go down the venomous route. That's uh, yeah. kind of cool. Oh, right. I've got fun. If I ever got venomous, I'd kill myself with them. <laughs> 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 that's how I always feel it's like oh, I'd love cobras look great but you know what I'd die yeah. <laughs> now if you could go herping in anywhere on the planet where would you go and why Australia yeah absolutely without a doubt Australia literally a decent pair of boots a backpack and enough water to see me around I would just walk from one side to the other and then back again <laughs> 2016, carpet, official carpet, Marley Python radio trip to Australia. Yeah. I don't know when in 2016, <laughs> but 2016, damn it. So. Oh, it's happening. It's happening. Oh, it's happening. I'm telling you. I'll rob a <laughs> bank if I have to. So. I don't care if I have to cash out my 401k one way or another. I'll pay <laughs> I, will, I will put myself in a crate, crate and ship myself there. So, done. Anyway, um, good. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. All right. Now, if if anybody wants to get in touch with you about, you know, talking inlands, uh, possibly doing all that stuff, how would they do that? This way, it's on Facebook. I'm literally on okay. there as Tim Tindall, and you'll you'll see me anywhere just posting in there. Uh, I, am, I am on a couple of forums as well. as the RFUK forum over here in the UK, and... The Buff League Breeders Club as well. I'll put up every now and again on. I think the better, the better wear. And I'll get back to you more or less straight away with that. Cool. 
Awesome. Very cool. Well, uh, so um, I'm going to hide my wallet from myself because <laughs> we've now done a show on Inlands, and I don't have Inlands. So, um, but do you want them yet, Owen? I kind of do. I mean, I, this is the problem. <laughs> thing is, like, I, I, I mentioned a few shows ago that I might want them, and then Justin Drewlander messaged me and goes, oh, really? And I'm like, oh, no. See if you can talk Justin out of that mail that was all um, faded out on the side. They got one yeah. up from Eric. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing is that I know if I'm patient, eventually Eric will just make what I want, and I can just go over there and like take it from him, and then deal with that consequences later. So, yeah, Owen, it was funny. It was funny, Tim. Where I was at Owen's the other day. You know, we're sitting there, we're talking and whatnot, and uh, I forget what we were talking about, but he he said something. So. um you think that you would want to get rid of your caramel head albino? No, <laughs> like, no, I didn't say that. Yeah. No proof. That was never said. I mean, I like, that's the only two people who can confirm that is you and I, and I call you a liar, sir. So. <laughs> do it, Owen. Do like, wait it. A minute. I said, no. Wait a minute. Where is Owen, and what did you do with him? <laughs> who are you, and what have you done with the real Owen? Yeah. yeah there, was that, there was that moment. So. And then, and then I can see myself like I'm seeing Star Wars, and I'm like the Emperor there, and I'm like, really? You're not the top. Yeah. You know? God. God. Hey, hey, no. <laughs> uh, You've yeah. won him over finally. Yep. Well, that's out of the bag now. Yes. I would like. I would like Inland. The problem is that there are a few other things that are moving around. And I'm watching because I know of potentially three people. You know who you are, people, who might have rough scales this year. And I'm watching them because I'm waiting and I need some females. And I swear to God, if like the second, I don't know if Shane knows this, but the second he posts pictures of them pipping, I may break down his door. So I mean, it's like, I might just be, I might just be there with a lot of cash. So it's like. Yeah, I'm hoping that somebody okay. does something this year. So blame me for the rough scales. Everything I've seen on them, that they're, they're just screaming to me. They really are. They just look so cool, and yeah, got to be yeah. sooner rather than later. It's 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 funny because I have the two, and for a while they looked exactly alike, and now my male, my one male is like just getting a lot. Like he just shed, and he's looking a lot darker and a lot more brown, yeah. and a lot just different and it's like it's funny because um a couple a couple months ago he put his tooth through his own gum and had like oh, really? an action in there and i'm like you stupid oh. bastard you can't even put your teeth away the right way so it's like i had to fish him out and clean in between his teeth and make sure his mouth stayed nice but going trying to work around those fish hooks that they have in their mouths are ridiculous yeah. but He's fine. He's good now, but it was just, just awesome. I don't know. I I love him. So yeah, I hope well, they take that restriction for um, yeah. Australia, so I can get like twelve. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but they're all the same. They're not. They're not that genetically different, are they? The uh, don't care. captive ones. <laughs> don't care. <laughs> One they're enough different, yeah. then. <laughs> yeah, they're enough different for me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the difference. <laughs> 
<laughs> they're one of those species that I, uh, well, I think it was, I can't remember what carpet fest it was, but Julie brought them. And, um, uh, you know, they were like, it was like, wow, these are the rough scale. The little ones, like uh, the babies like I should have really sold cool. my, I should have sold my <laughs> kidney and not let them got loose. I mean, oh. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, I don't know, I always, you know, what Owen's doing with me with the Inlands is the same thing I did with Nick and Paul with the rough scales. I figure, ah, oh, what yeah. am I in a rush for? These guys will breed them and I'll just get them from them, you know? So it's like I'm waiting <laughs> and waiting. And, and, and I'm like, Nick, did you, <laughs> did you breed them? No, they won't breed. <laughs> like, oh, man. So, I'm sending uh, one of my boys to Nick so that we can probably try to get something here, God damn it. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Cause I've been waiting for Nick too. It's like I need girls. <laughs> I only have two males, and they're not going to do anything. Unless it's been mixed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no! Trust me, they got here, and I'm like, let's please God, please God, damn it, please God, <laughs> damn it. But yeah, I mean, it's like. And, yeah, and then the uh, the year that um, Nick, well, the, actually, the year I was going to get him, Nick said that. Um, you know, his weren't, he was, weren't old enough, but he was going to try them yeah, and see yeah. if it went, but it ended up that it didn't work out. So I thought, oh, yeah, well, I'll just get them from Paul. But apparently there's some kind of problem with the paperwork with it coming over into the States. Yeah. You know, from the, and I'm like, oh, God, really? <laughs> yeah. I don't apparently think we can somebody... get any back. I don't think we can get any over here either. I no, think what Paul has got back. is the only... The only legal. Well, there's a there's someone else in Germany um, who's got a pair that were brought in illegally. The German government busted the shipment, and this breeder, Mark Mend, I think it is, is something in with the German government, and he's actually got them. But he's got a clause in where he's keeping them that the the original animals are property of the German government, but he can sell any offspring. <laughs> I love that. There's only two people in the whole of Europe who've legally got rough scales. Wow. Well, I guess that's a good position uh, to be in if you're those guys, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You've you got to be them guys, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, good for him. Yeah, I'm glad that that, that worked out for Paul that way because that puts him in yeah. a, good, a good good seat. So. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, so... I don't know. Yeah, I, Tim, thanks for uh, staying up late and uh, no, talking right. with us. Thank you for having me. And of course. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, hopefully, uh, you know, we wish you the best success with uh, with your inlands. And uh, I, I would yeah. suggest you going over and checking out, uh, you know, Tim's post that he puts up on Facebook. He has some awesome pictures. Uh, you can check out the uh, inland Facebook group, too. Most of them are over there. And, you know... Uh, I'm just I'm, like you. I'm trying to get some uh, exposure to these uh, cool carpet pythons and uh, you know, get people into them. That I think uh, they'll be quite happy with with them if they yeah. do. So. Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. So, awesome. Thank you, sir. All right, then, guys. Appreciate it. No, thank you very much. Thank you. I'll see you okay. later. Bye bye. Have a good night. All right, Owen, well, it feels like uh, it's 8.30 now here, our time. It's so weird. <laughs> Nor- normally, uh, like, ah, I should get ready now. It's like, it's weird. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'd it's weird. Yeah, my, my, uh, 
my adrenaline <laughs> is kicking in now because usually about quarter of it's like, you know, I have a coffee and get, you know, pumped up for the show and ready. And now I'm like, I'm like, you know, rare. What you guys go. don't know is that before Eric gets on, he actually does an entire speedball of heroin and then gets on the show <laughs> and just goes, and it goes, goes. Like, whoa, yeah. passion, passion. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so before we head off, I'm going to, I know we didn't do really updates at the beginning of the show because we we didn't kind of finagle stuff, Um, but uh, yeah, I had another uh, clutch and uh, finally I got some uh, citrus tigers, uh, just straight tigers. Um, Can I ask for you to please push the applause button? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm not by the computer, so I can't have. Damn it! But, uh, uh, opportunity missed. This has been uh, years in the making. I think the first couple years, I really kind of bred what I had to get some of the recessive uh, morphs into that line. So this year, um, I'm just breeding. What I did is I outcrossed them. Uh, mm-hmm. Zach Baez. Um, he had a Ted Thompson tiger, uh, which is uh-huh. basically um, Balin, and I think he did he breed him to high Queensland, high contrast Queensland. Uh, he they say he says he did, he says he did, and then he also picked up a few from Outback, which are untraceable. But yeah, I believe the really good looking ones. We're from the high con pairing. It depends on what year Zach got it, really. But yeah, most of it was high con pairings. Yeah, I believe that, that yeah. that's what this was because they, I, yeah. actually I remember back when I was first getting into carpets, and uh, I was walking around Tin or Tinley. I was walking around Hamburg Tinley. with um, with uh, with my dad, and we were both amazed at these tiger carpets that Ted had on his. Uh, he had like one of those uh, towers. And they were just yeah. kind of chilling there, and they were yeah. they were really really nice tigers. It's weird. Anyway, I probably me. passed you at a Hamburg yeah, show no, once or twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. freaky. Um, small world. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, Zach actually had bought this animal with uh, uh, the idea of one day doing that, uh, and then yeah. I guess you know space and limitations he passed that female along to me with the hopes that that would happen um so i mean you know i beautiful collection so there also was the problem of that when the high when the um stitcher tigers came out somebody bought all of them so it was kind of hard for others to you know do other breeding projects because somebody bought all of them yeah yeah, yeah now i know <laughs> yeah i don't know who that guy is but yeah, i know, who the hell I know that uh I know Will has done some jag pairings with them, and um, yeah. they turned out pretty cool. But my yeah. idea has always never been to take it to jags because, I don't know, I just I think it would be cool. cool, I guess, eventually when you get to, like, that really reduced jag pattern. But to me, it's all about that that stripe. black yeah. stripe with a yellow stripe with that charcoal gray outline that they have, so it's just going to be nuts. <clears throat> but anyway, I've read that female, that Ted Thompson female, which uh, I think if you go over to my Facebook page, Zach posted up what she looked like when she was younger. Um, 
because she, even though she just laid a clutch, I know you, I think it was you that said this as we were talking, um, the uh, the female laid eggs, and you're kind of, she looks like she's in great shape. Pixie, she yeah. She, lose yeah. Yeah, she didn't lose, she barely lost any weight, but she ate, she, she ate four times after she came up. And it was just like, it was, it was always that situation of, I had a medium rat that nobody wanted to eat, and she was sitting by the front of her cage, so I'm like, there you go, honey, and she just took it. And right. the last one she ate, and she ate it like two weeks before she was, um, before she laid. And I was so right. freaking worried because I'm like, oh, my God, she's still eating. She never stopped eating. And she's never going to lay. But those lumps I see in her are clearly just rats. <laughs> so, And then she drops like 14 <laughs> eggs. And I'm like, well, all right then. <laughs> so, And she looks good. Like I'm falling out food for her now just out of habit because I always try to feed the females that, you know, had babies. Um, uh-huh. quickly, even though it's not a feed day today. Um, uh-huh. she, she still looks fine. She's curled up looking good. So yeah. this is her second year in a row. So. Well, that's cool. Yeah. This, yeah. um, the fem- this female, she looks great. And I bred her with yeah. my favorite, uh, male Satch. Satch. Um, oh no. Satch babies. Oh crap. Yeah. Yeah, so these uh, <laughs> this is gonna be a stellar clutch for sure. There's eleven eggs. I may I may buy Satch babies. You know. <laughs> you can watch me cross Satch into like every other thing I got here and be like, Why, Owen, why? So, <laughs> why did you do it? Why? Why would you do that? So. <laughs> you hoard up my, my project. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, you ruined it, my beautiful bloodline. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I got that. So this is probably this year's shaping up to be my best. Big year for you. Look at that. Yeah, I got uh, to six. Uh, It's going to be a total of seven. And um, the last one, uh, I have my Carmel Zebra female. She just went into a pre-light. And Mm -hmm. she was bred with a Super Carmel Jag. No, Super Carmel Zebra Jag. Super Carmel Zebra Jag. So, did you get all the clutches you were hoping for this year? The only one I didn't, which was kind of the one that I was really kind of looking forward to, was um, the uh, Zebra Het Granite to Granite Jag. And is I'm your, still you, on the your Zebra Het Granite's a female, right? Yes. I'll send you a granite male. <laughs> so, <laughs> he's, he's coming. So. <laughs> There you go. Um, so yeah, I got yeah. I'm pretty excited about this year. So first baby yeah. should be popping out right before Carpet Fest. Um, oh my god! So timing. Yeah. Or should poor timing. If it ends up, you got to be at Carpet Fest while they're you know hatching. But no, it'll be before. So if if and it's the Sun Glow clutch. So hopefully. Uh. Uh, Hopefully I hit some odds there and get some uh get some nice sun glows and uh you know, you can pass that female along to you now. Right, so so <laughs> thank you, you bastard. No, um, so um, dick. The, <laughs> dick. Thank you, but you dick. Um the are you done after this after your your seventh call just it? You got no more coming? Well, I still have those I have uh, three that I'm on the fence with still. I got the uh, the double hats. I think I don't know, man. You know, I, I 
I'm kind of I'm kind of getting to the point now where I can kind of look at the female and see she's grab it. Um, and so I'm on the fence with her. Uh, she was born okay. an albino jag, so hopefully I should have some double head snows and double head snow jags, double head snow. Um, but I'm not sure with that. And then um, what's the other one? Uh, I bred the jag head exanic to the to my Balin tiger. Because, I don't know, actually, I was going to hit on this. You know what? I'll leave that for next show. Because next we'll talk about later. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that next week. We got, we got <laughs> but anyway, all next week. <laughs> so. Yeah, because it's just, it's just us. It's us um, yeah. So, but the, uh, but yeah, I mean, good season. you still got a few on the fence. I mean, it's funny because I'm sitting here and you're like, I'm like, oh, he's got seven. Oh shit! I kind of have a really low year compared to that. I'm like, oh wait, no, two brettles, one coastal, one two jungles. I'm like, I, you're, we're not done yet. So it's like, it's it's almost like I'm I'm still breeding right now. So it's like I guess I'm doing real late, which would be funny. Plus, I forgot the two litters of boas because that's happening, and <laughs> I know what I'm doing there. Nice. <laughs> so. <laughs> But I'm a carpet python breeder. I'm a carpet python breeder. I know it's a breed the carpet python. Why are only the boas breeding? Kicking kicking the ball and going home. (laughs) I am going to take my ball and go home. It's funny because we're at that point now where where so many carpets are gone from uh, the, the for sale babies. It's like I have a bunch of brettles. I have some tigers. I have some jags. And then I have some Dominican boa. So it's like we're getting to the point where the boa is slowly outnumbering the amount of different types of carpet python. Like I have more Dominican boas than I do jaguars right now for sale. Wow. It's weird. Yeah. So the uh, we'll see how that rolls. But it's like I'm still waiting for the brettles. I'm still waiting for everything else to go. And I think my jag female is going into her prelay shed. And she was bred to my zebra jag male. So, you know, maybe I'll hatch the first living leucistic. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Yeah. You just confused See, the problem all is, of our listeners. <laughs> yeah, well, the problem is if I did, I wouldn't know what to do with myself. I'd be like, son of a bitch. You're, like, contradicting me by being alive, you little bastard. So <laughs> I'd probably I have to just kill it. <laughs> I hope you die. <laughs> Why are you still alive? <laughs> uh yeah, that would be some irony. <clears throat> um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It worked out well for me because now I'm going to start to have um, my 2014 animals really gone through and probably going to start to put them up for sale. So, <laughs> right in time for That's the... That's right, uh, kids, it's been a year. It's time to sell the 14 animals. Uh well, at least you're consistent. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. So I don't know. I well, I guess I would say if that if you uh, if you're interested in anything as far as head albino should, stuff goes. Should I we stop? Should we stop the um? Should we stop the people now and tell them that you're probably not selling anything from Poison Ivy? Oh yeah, that's 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 not gonna happen. What's happening with yeah, that club so, is, is that it's it's. It's so hard to tell what's going on. I mean, Jake Jake Milbert 
Milbrat, he produced Poison Ivy. And mm-hmm. when when the when she was uh born, uh when she yeah. hatched, um, there were normal looking IJs. Yeah. So it'd, it'd be funny and I'd be really interested to see, you know, because there's like three or four other really dark IJ females in the country. I would almost yeah. wonder if you could trace it all the way back to Jake. I would almost bet that you can. I would say so too. Uh, it just it's, it, it, it so, would make the most sense. You would never be able to prove it, but it would almost I would almost say that you would have to uh it would be very similar. Um mm-hmm. I mean they're just too similar. Uh, especially uh there's there's two of them I can think of. Um yeah. in particular. Um but I don't know. It's very possible. And then, so so here's what the deal with that. So you can clear. They're about to all just. I, I went did a photo shoot with them, but they're they're all in shed. So it's like I was going back and forth on whether or not I should take a photo shoot or not. So I figured I'd take the pictures I have them, um, mm-hmm. so that I can look at them to see what they look before they shed and then after they shed. There's a couple different things going on. Some of them, I mean, they all look like. They all kind of look like normal IJs as far as none of them are black, you know. But what I mm-hmm. what I do notice is, is that I, I did some macro shots, and I noticed this on um, somebody has a poison ivy jag. Um, <clears throat> because when uh, Kurt first bred her, the, the year before he sold her to me, um, he bred her to a jag. And what Weird. going on with the jag is, yeah, I didn't understand that pairing, but hey, it's each his own, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, you do you, boo boo. Yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So. Um, you uh, you see these black uh, scales come in um, as the animals uh-huh. start to mature. So is it something like the uh, the IMG? in boas where uh, as the animal ages, the melanin comes in. Is it something to where it's a uh, recessive, uh, well, it wouldn't even be recessive. It would be like an incomplete dominant to where you think it's recessive because the, uh, what would be the, um, for lack of, for reptile hobby terms, the codom of it or uh, the jaguar Mm -hmm. of it. You know, um, yeah, you, it's not really extreme, but when you breed that to back to um, the like, if I bred the male back to poison ivy, um, then I wonder if you would see an all black or you know a super form of that gene. I don't know. There's two of them. I mean, that's what we're trying for here. Yeah, there's two of them in particular. If you look at them. And I do have a picture of the one, and I did post it up. I wanted to see if anybody noticed it. But, again, it's so hard to tell when you're not comparing it to another another one. But um, it almost looks like, think of uh, a ball python like an orange ghost. And you think of that I'll look. I'll pretend I know what that looks like, yeah. Okay, so <laughs> you pretend <laughs> what that looks like. Uh, you see the same sort of, like, look. Uh, in okay. those animals, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's anything. I hope that it is. It would be pretty cool. 
Um, it would be nice. Clearly, be if you look at the parents, um, yeah, clearly if you look at the parents, um, clearly they are as black as she is. So was it the fact that those two parents spread together and then you got what that is? I mean, I don't want to go and sell babies and they all turn out to be, you know what I mean? So they just grow up to be normal IJs, yeah. Well, not only that, I don't want to breed them. I don't want to sell them, and then they turn out to be poison ivy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm, uh, turn out to be yeah. Myself. So. Oh uh, yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Buyers are more to the extreme, or sellers are more to the extreme. Well, plus too, if it's a, if it's a new if it's a new, I mean, this is why I always talk to people, especially like when we had Jay on. Like, how mm-hmm. do you manage that? That like a new project that pops up. I mean. That's kind of like why I listen to a lot of uh, Royal Python breeders, because I try to get a feel for it. Like, what do you do when when you have something like this pop up? How do you manage that project? How do you how do you make sure that uh, you know it? You keep the value to that project, you know, or uh, if you just go and sell all these normals, and even if you sell them off as normals and they don't, I mean, if you're buying it from me, you know that that's what I produced and. This year, it's not like I could. I mean, I guess I could wholesale them. Yeah. I don't know. I I digress. So. No, I digress. No and, more. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's uh, let's 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 wrap this up. Wrap it up. So. Um, We're wrapping up right when we probably should be getting started. Hooray! That's, so. <laughs> that's right. Uh, next week, it's just going to be uh, me and Owen. Uh, so if you have some questions or. Something you want Feel to, free to call talk in. about in particular, you can call in. Mm-hmm. You can uh, post up your question or whatever over on the Facebook page, uh, you know, whatever you like. But uh, we have some topics we'll talk about. And then the week after that, it's uh, Derek Roddy is coming back. And, nice. Uh, yeah, he's going to be talking blackheads. Uh, he's got some cool carpet python projects uh, this year. He's got IJ jungles and such. Um, I wanted to touch a little bit on uh, some of the other things that he does, like uh, Doomrolls boas. I don't know if you've seen mm. Doomrolls boas, but they're probably the nicest ones in the country, and they're freaking gorgeous. Um, That's awesome. He also, he also messes around with uh, with rainbow boas, which when I was younger, that was always a species that uh, I was very interested in. Um, really? I'd like to maybe have them. Yeah, I'd always like to hear about like how you keep them because I don't know. In my mind, I still think of them as like a more difficult species to keep. And of course, of course, we'll be talking. Uh, Derek did a uh, interview on Reptile Radio maybe a month ago, and um, they have a, a shorter show. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, they were having quite a uh, quite a cool conversation about <clears throat> just the reptile hobby in general and you know some thoughts and whatnot so i always enjoy talking to derek about those kind of things um, yeah so you know plus he's a freaking cool guy so so yeah we cool. got that um let's see so moreliapythonradio.com um if you want to get in touch with us about something you can email us at info at moreliapythonradio.com uh, you can like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter. Um, we also uh, we also have Morelia Pick of the Week. Um, so if you want to go and check out some cool carpet pythons or some of the uh, cool people in the carpet python community, 
uh, as well as chondros and, and other stuff. But uh, check out Morelia Pick of the Week. <clears throat> we have Carpus Fest coming May 30th, 2015, yes. the Northeast edition. Look, look for uh, the auction. Um, we're going to start taking um, uh, donations real soon. So if you have something that uh, that you think that people might might want, you want to uh, contribute to the cause for uh, uh, U.S. ARC and the uh, Legal Defense Fund, by all means. Um, you know, about that, it seems like yeah. that whole hype has kind of died down. Would you agree? What hype? About? Like, you know how everybody was like, you know, on Facebook, like the day after the ban went in place, everybody's like, yeah. ah, you know, this is bullshit. And everybody's Sign this, do all, this. Yeah. Sign that, yeah. da, da, da. And it's like, you don't yeah. see anything anymore. And that's Everything's kind of my kind of frustration when it comes to that shit. But I know we're kind of in a lull, but it's kind of like, I don't know. We should now be- would be the time to do it. It's like, listen, yeah. guys. You know, buy a damn T-shirt, and the money didn't go into us. It's not going to Carpus. It's going directly to U.S. Arc. So the day after Carpus Fest, actually probably the um, Tuesday, because then we're going to go to do that, and we're going to do that. Okay, the Tuesday after Carpus Fest, when I finally get a chance to breathe, is when we're just going to directly donate that money straight to U.S. Arc, the entire amount. So yeah, you know, if you really want to support and you really want to see, um, you know, see contribute somehow to the uh, lawsuit uh, against uh, to put those animals back on uh, that animals off the Injury Species Act. It's simple, 20 bucks for a t-shirt. You don't even have to come to Carpet Fest. Just 20 bucks for a t-shirt, there you go. You're good. You, you need to wear cool it. I know t-shirt. some people are making them decorations. What? You get a cool t-shirt and that money goes it's to you. It's a damn cool t-shirt. It's a no-brainer. Yeah. And <laughs> look no-brainer. at it this way. And look at it this way. If you can't afford a Darwin albino, you can wear one. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, I don't know. I, I just was a little disappointed, I guess, maybe, with the uh, with the original uh, count on the T-shirts and then the turnaround that people were asking um, that they didn't get them. Oh, yeah. I have a list of people who demanded that I reopen the booster. And if you don't buy your yeah. T-shirts, I'm going to hunt you down. Just so yeah. everyone knows. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, to me, I, I know times are tight with people and whatnot. You know, I know it's, that... Uh, it's 20 bucks. So but, dip out on Starbucks and pack a lunch. And now yeah. you can buy a T-shirt. But you're, not, you're buying something and then that money is going to... So you're killing two birds with one stone, so to speak. You're getting something cool yeah. and then the money goes to USR. Kind of an yeah. and I and I want to say I, that I know we're three people, away from the minimum. Okay, that's good. But get out there and buy a shirt, man. Come on, God damn it, do it. Anyway, yeah. right now. So we got that going on. The um, uh, if you want more information, um, follow uh, Carpet Fest on uh, the Facebook page. Um, that and that. That encompasses um, all of the carpet fests that are going around um, right now. Like Owen said, there's uh, the uh, one in every corner. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty much it. So uh, you got all those going on. Um, 
as we get closer to those guys' dates, which I think um, we're about a month away from the northeast one and then probably two months away from the uh, southwest one. So um, stay tuned for, oh. for that. And yep. uh, uh, we'll, as those dates approach. Um, and we're going to send Eric to all of them. He's like our official mascot. So. Yeah, I'm really trying to uh, to secure. I, I guess the next one coming up is uh, the one in um, at uh, Prehistoric Pets. So I'm really trying to secure that. I know I got tickets are kind of like up and down, but we'll see. Maybe I can sell a snake <laughs> pet out there. <laughs> so, Maybe. Um, so. <clears throat> uh, let's see. So yeah, we got that. Um, I also no, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk about that. Nope, uh, never mind. Moving on. <laughs> Skip that. Now for something completely uh, different. Uh, let's see. And then uh so we talked about Carpet Fest, we got Morelli Python Radio. Um and then I guess the only other thing that I have is E B Morelia. Check out E B dot com if you have a question or you're looking for something in particular. You can email me at Eric at E B dot com. Um I will be with Owen this Saturday at Hamburg. Hot so damn! I, <laughs> I guess uh, really I'm gonna really be working his table. But um, if there's something in particular that you want or interested in, you know, uh, I can bring it out and uh, deliver yeah, it there. Yeah, unfortunately, so, unfortunately there is a rogue handling charge in that sense. So you know, it's <laughs> that rogue handling in. charge is called Morelia Python Radio. So you should go for that. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, uh, stop on by, say hello, um, and uh, it be cool to uh, to meet you guys and uh, hang out with people we already know and uh, looking forward to it, and it should be cool. And I'm going to try to sell Owen Snakes. Damn right. <laughs> And then and then Owen can walk around the show and he'll be disappearing all the time. Like oh, that'd be great, bad. yeah. And then you know, Look, yeah. I got Rongo rat snakes. Stop it! No, that can't like, happen. What? God, we got. We got to stop. We got to stop. We got to stop. No, because you think I, <laughs> I I talked to Ben a little bit ago and he's like, oh, I might do a hamburger. I'm like, no, you can't, Ben. You have inland. <laughs> you can't bring uh, anyone near me right oh, now. Ben's coming so. up. Oh, cool. What? Ben's coming up. Oh no, he said he might, but he's not. He's not coming up for anyone anytime soon. He's thinking. He's bounced around the idea of vending another Hamburg show, and I, I think it would be cool. So maybe, maybe not. I think his wife just wants to get away for a, a vacation again. So anyway, I digress. Um, what we got going on over here? Uh, Rogue has two clutches on the ground: red tiger jags and uh, caramel tiger jags in the incubator. Um, and we are almost out of babies when it comes to everything for the 2014. I have a caramel jag, a caramel, and a super caramel jag out of the caramels. That's it. Um, and then I have maybe one or two tigers, some brettles, and some jags, and that's it. We're 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 bare bones over here. So uh, this this Amber show might make me look pretty pathetic. Um, and of course we have the Dominican Red Mountain Bow. No fear. I have six to bring. Stop it. Um, if, if, uh, if you're interested in anything, just drop us a line. We'll set you up. Also, if you want to get on a list of any of the things that we have 
uh, the, the questions we currently have, uh, you can definitely put on the contact list. We do not take deposits until babies are born. And other than that, I got, oh, Hamburg will be this Saturday. So we'll see everyone at the Hamburg Reptile Show. We are usually down the alley from Matt Minatola. So if you see him, just kind of look around and you'll see us. And this is when I debut the brand new logo for Rogue Reptiles for the first time at a show. It's going to be awesome. So, cool. Hold on, we I have know. to give a shout out to Matt. We have to give a shout out to Matt. If you guys listen out there, which I can tell from the numbers from Lon's show, um, we got a lot of Blood Python fans out there. You Blood Python people are coming, yeah. Bloods and short tails. So if you're uh, into those and you want some cool Blood Pythons and short tails, you should uh, check out what Matt's got going on. Billy Herb, he'll be uh, he'll be at Hamburg. Uh, I don't know if you saw some of the cool stuff that he put up. Uh, I think he's got a sale yeah. going on until Friday. At the moment, yeah. But I'm, yeah. I'm sure you give him the money, he'll deliver it at Hamburg. So check it out. I think Definitely. his Facebook page is Philly Herb, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Philly Herb. And then, uh, and then Jason Balin and Howard Redding will be there, and so will Matt Kohler. So I think that's all the Morelia heads at the show there so it's starting to really kind of Ooh, into a really cool show that's uh, eric Kohler. eric Kohler. eric Kohler. Oh. eric Kohler. <laughs> wow Very sorry good. eric that was weird <laughs> um anyway so it's going to be a good show if you can make it at the hamburg please do come out and chat it's going to be fun uh other than that the only thing i will have to say is buy a damn t-shirt and um also uh, th- thank you for stopping by, and we will catch you all next week for some more Morelia Python Radio. Good night. <laughs> hey, Chad Brown here. You may remember me as a linebacker in the NFL or as a reptile breeder and the owner of Pro Exotics. I've been herping since I was a boy, and I've dedicated my life to advancing the industry and educating the community about the importance of reptiles. I also love to encourage the joy of breeding and keeping reptiles as a hobbyist, which is why my partner Robin and Markland and I create the Reptile Report. The Reptile Report is our online news aggregation site bringing you the most up-to-date discussions from the reptile world. Visit thereptilereport.com every day to stay on top of the latest reptile news and information. We encourage you to visit the site and submit your exciting reptile news, photos, and links so we can feature outstanding breeders and hobbyists just like you. The Reptile Report offers powerful branding and marketing exposure for your business, and the best part is... It's free. If you're a buyer or a breeder, you got to check out the Reptile Report Marketplace. The Marketplace is the reptile world's most complete buying and selling destination full of features to help put you in touch with the perfect deal. Find exactly what you're looking for with our advanced search system. Search by sex, weight, morph, or other keywords and use our Buy It Now option to buy that animal right now. Go to marketplace.thereptilereport.com and register your account for free. Be sure to link your Marketplace account to your Ship Your Reptiles account to earn free tokens with each shipping label you book. Use the marketplace to sell your animals and supplies and maximize your exposure with a platinum ad that also gets fed to the Reptile Report and our powerful Marketplace Facebook page. Buying or selling? Use ShipYourReptiles.com to take advantage of our discounted priority overnight shipping rates. ShipYourReptiles.com can also supply you with the materials needed to safely ship your animals successfully. Use ShipYourReptiles.com to take advantage of our discounted priority overnight shipping rates, the materials needed to ship your reptiles successfully, live customer support, and our live, on-time arrival insurance program. We got you covered. Visit TheReptileReport.com to learn or share about the animals. Click on the link to the marketplace, find that perfect pet or breeder, then visit ShipReptiles.com to ship that animal anywhere in the United States. We are your one-stop shop for everything reptile related.